0: Ready, ready. Mm. You like movies?
1: Mm. I watch a lot of movies, Paul. I know what I'm doing.
0: No place to go. Ooh, I like that.
1: Hello, everybody, and welcome to a special episode of the Spore the Warning podcast. I'm Christopher Schnazi. Oh
2: I'm Carson Patrick. And I'm Stephen Miller.
1: And uh, if you're joining us for the first time, the Spoiler Warning Podcast is a weekly film review program each week in the show where we like to dive in, debate, discuss, and argue the latest film releases coming to a theater near you. But this is 2014 now and we have to come together to recap the year of 2013, all the films we saw and what we thought uh, were you know, the best or our most favorites or all that kind of good stuff. How are you guys doing today?
0: <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> I was
2: taking a drink I, I thought Carson was going to answer first. I thought Steven would jump in I'm I, I'm would. doing well, I'm a uh, little tired Had to uh, kind of try to cram in a few rewatches last mm. night when making this list uh, But feeling good, feeling good yeah, I'm, I, I'm, I'm feeling well
1: uh, Steven texted me last night, or this morning at like 2.30am <laughs> 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 to ask if we can push back the record time I, I almost responded to you right then Because I totally woke up And I was like I didn't know why I woke up And I was like what time is it And then I saw I had a text message on my phone I'm like oh Stephen texted me He must have just got out of a movie or something
2: <laughs> Yeah uh, I, I was pretty busy uh, <laughs> But you should put your phone on silent by the way Everyone knows that is text etiquette Yeah come on dude
1: Yeah but it, 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 my phone is also my alarm clock Mm-hmm. And I can't risk the the phone, like basically the I use a particular. Everybody really cares about this is what they tune in for. But uh, mm-hmm. I use a special app, um, as my alarm clock because you know the built-in the, app isn't good like enough the for me. sleep app or something. No, it's uh, it's called Rise. Okay. Um. And Rise and Rise again. Uh, this company uh, who makes the Rise app, they updated a lot. And sometimes when they update it, it changes core functionality <laughs> or doesn't work exactly the way it did right before the update. And thanks to iOS 7's automatic updates, um, sometimes I don't wake up because the phone treats like the way it snoozes and stuff differently. So I can't risk turning my phone on silent and having the alarm app override the silentness of the phone. I mean, I mm. could turn on the do not disturb junk between, you know, the hours that Steven's awake, but <laughs> it's just more work than it's worth. And usually I'll sleep through a single bleep. But for some reason last night, I was so like chewing over the movies of this year that uh, it woke me up. And then I couldn't go back to sleep because I was thinking like, ah, oh, dang it. What, what's going to go on this list? Should I turn, roll over and keep trying to figure out stuff or should I try to go back to sleep? But anyways, whatever.
3: Was what is your Rise app? What? How does it wake you up? Is this like a lot of bane chanting? <laughs> yes,
1: <laughs> time to wake up, you know. <laughs> um, Powerful
3: answers to the uninitiated. Take uh, this city. No, it's just a. <laughs>
1: it's it's an alarm sound that is light enough that I can wake up without theoretically disturbing the rest of the people in my house. So.
3: Mm. That is true. There are other people in your uh, studio.
1: That's right. Um, I'm so dedicated to the podcast that I sleep in the studio. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but how are you doing
3: But really, like the that? studio is soundproof, so it shouldn't um, shouldn't bother anyone else.
1: Yeah, yeah, of course, soundproof. Yeah. Um, but anyways, how are you doing today, Carson?
3: I'm I'm doing well. Uh, I got f- my I uh, you know I did my my, my pre-ritual pre-episode rituals. <laughs> so yeah, I'm good.
1: So you won't need to run during the middle of this. I
3: hope. I hope not. I did like get this coffee because I like, I was pretty tired. Also stayed up till four in the morning, <laughs> watching some stuff. So yeah, um, yeah.
1: Good times. You guys hopefully are hopefully I don't have to
3: like make a pee run or something.
1: Yeah. Well, I tried to get some good sleep because I wanted to wake up early and watch another film right before recording, which I did. So you guys tried to get it in right before going to sleep. Yeah, I
2: mean, I want to wake up with a clean palate, you know, talk talk about movies. Don't don't be reeling from
3: the last one you watch. Right. But to be completely fair, I took a nap at like 10 o'clock. So (laughs) So (laughs) I was awake.
1: (laughs) Well, you know, like maybe I was watching a movie as a chaser to make sure that I wasn't still reeling from the last thing I watched. Mm. okay that, that could be it that is possible
2: there you go just a, a little shot of grown-ups too to clear out whatever. <laughs> <laughs> exactly whatever thought-provoking i can't i can't wait to, to
3: hear uh i can't wait to hear what you know movies that steven rated from Redbox. or did, did, you your, <laughs> did you do your did you do your like annual red box raid where you're just like no I ra- no so this year i didn't thing. do my I, I normally do a raid of the worst
2: movies i can find yeah uh, try to watch all of them in the like two days leading up to this uh this year I couldn't do it. There were there were too many good movies that I wanted to watch.
1: So uh D- doesn't it suck when there's a lot of good stuff out and you can't I, yeah, make I time know, for terrible. the terrible I mean, things.
2: There's just too
3: much good stuff. I hate it. If there was a <laughs> Nomeo and Juliet this year, I did not watch it.
1: <laughs> I was hoping there was gonna be a Nomeo and Juliet I, too.
3: I think I well there is coming soon. Yeah, yeah there actually is. Um, oh, God. <laughs> we'll have to cover it when it comes out. Uh I, I think I do have this year's Nomeo and Juliet though. Even though I never saw Nomeo and Juliet, I think I can Replace it for this year
1: I'm assuming you're talking about The Wolf of Wall Street
3: No, no (laughs) Unfortunately not
1: I kid, I kid
3: Uh, I'll say yes
1: Well anyways, what do you say We we begin talking about these films, guys
3: Okay Yep, sounds good
1: Alright, well uh, let's go around real fast And just sort of explain uh, I guess in in general what you thought about this year as a whole um, And also how you went about Comprising your list Let's start with you, Carson.
3: Um, well, I thought this year was a, a great year for movies. Uh, last year, I thought there were a lot of movies that had a lot of potential, and they ended up disappointing uh, extremely. I think like every last year, every every other episode was either you or me going like, "Well, I'm underwhelmed again." Like I was excited, <laughs> but I again, I'm disappointed. Um, I feel like this year, though, uh, was a lot stronger in terms of like mainstream movies, and also uh, a lot smaller movies. I kind of talked about it in Wolf of Wall Street, but there's a lot of like what I call the cocaine movies, So a lot of like <laughs> yeah. off the wall, off the wall movies, and I think like uh, that was what made this year put it over the edge. Um, and like as for my list, uh, I tried to pick movies that. I didn't really talk about on the show, uh, a, so we could try to avoid having like duplicates and b just to like try and champion some of the lesser known or movies that I thought I felt were kind of overlooked. So yeah, but my number one film is, uh, that stayed the same, but like the rest I tried to fill with, uh, like, you know, like I said, movies that kind of were overlooked and stuff.
1: Gotcha. Steven?
2: Uh yeah. I mean I I feel the same actually. I think in prior years I would always kind of struggle to find five that I wanted in a top ten or in a top five list to the degree that I could like one hundred percent stand behind it without qualifying it with, well, it's flawed in this way and this way, but it should be up there. Um and, and this year I found I had the opposite problem. I mean there are there are a lot of movies that I really enjoyed yeah I, that i really would have wanted to give a shout out to i might i might even cheat and throw out a bunch of like honorable mentions when we're done and force you to put them on the website <laughs> just so uh, <laughs> <laughs> because i think there are more than 5 films that i really would advise people to watch yeah um yeah i i mean especially this year for me so like you chris i'm kind of a sappy hearted <laughs> i don't even know, <laughs> i don't even know what to say <laughs> pansy (laughs) um yeah and this was a really good year for like charming indie movies i mean that yeah i I can think of at least like six off the top of my head that that i loved watching that just couldn't make this list um same thing for like kind of powerful thriller type films there were a lot of good ones there big blockbusters just everything i I felt like it was a really well-rounded year um yeah yeah. totally up my alley in terms of the type of movies that they had maybe more than any other year that i've done this podcast
3: hmm. yeah and i feel like a lot of the uh movies that are being touted like for the oscar movies the oscar bait films like actually delivered in terms of like yes they deserve to have all the praise and, and whatnot yeah. yeah definitely yeah
1: well, for me, this uh, making this list has been pretty big struggle. Um, I mean, in in years past, it's it's kind of easy for me to like sh- like like by the end of the year, I know for sure like these things are of my top, and there's usually one film that like I know for fact like I love over everything else, and then there's a there's a couple of really good ones. Um, but it's not really been too hard. Um, this year, uh, like. My overall view of the year, like during the year, we have a bunch of people who are like, "Oh, what's like the best thing that's out in theaters right now?" Or, you know, what's you know what's a few good things that you've seen recently? And like I kind of pull up an app on my phone that I have that just has everything I've watched, and I scroll through it. And in doing this, partly because I'm like trying to pick something that I think that whoever's asking me might like over necessarily what I liked, I got the impression during the year that the overall. overall this wasn't necessarily the greatest year um not that there was a lot of bad stuff but it was a lot of middle ground stuff like you know a standard distribution like it was a big swell in the center of things that were like pretty good and then a couple things that were really good at at, you know the top and then just a couple things that were actually legitimately terrible at the bottom um and, and when i sat down to make my list this year i just pulled up a list of everything that came out and i went down the list and i added everything that i thought was really good um to index cards and i ended up with only 9 that like, i got thought were like really great and just looking at those 9 it was really easy to just throw away four and be like well this is my list and it felt really cheap and i was like no i don't like the way i just comprised this list it was it required no work at all so i switched to using like flickchart and deleting all my data from their system and then starting by just comparing films of this year and i did like close to 700 rankings and the list that comprised, I was like, oh, this showed me that there's a lot of stuff I genuinely like this year. And it kind of gave me an overall positive outlook on the year as a whole. But then I still was like, well, there's these things, just the way their algorithm works, um, there's things that were like ranked really low simply because they hadn't randomly been selected to compare against other things, or when they were selected to compare against things, they were being compared against things that were so terrible that they didn't earn enough weighting from that win to push them up in the list. So in the end, I kind of just sort of (laughs) threw that out anyways and went back to a version of uh, my original list. Well, you
2: know, though, I, I mean, I know you know because you told me that you can... Select a thing you feel was out of place, and then compare it against the others. What I, uh, st- I, I wound up doing that a lot with Flickchart. I hate you for introducing me to it. I, <laughs> <laughs> I, well, I he, think I also hit about seven hundred by the time I was done well, he, while I was working yesterday.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Nobody knows. Um, no, no one. Uh, but no. But see, here's the thing: don't, is don't tell my boss. That. I my I boss. would, I would be like, why is this movie like fifty fifth on my list? This doesn't make any sense. So I'd click it, and then I'd be like, it's better than, it's better than, it's better than, it's better than, and then it would hit one. And I would just refresh the browser and not do that comparison because I was like, nope, I'm not gonna compare these two films. <laughs> um, so it was like it—it it felt like if I if I went and picked specific ones, then it would just shove them all to the top, anyways. And I'd reach the point where I'm like, basically, I got to the same place I was beforehand. So it's like when we get to honorable mention, I can just throw out some things that are in my top ten based on Flick Charts thing. Um, but yeah, my list is. It basically comes down to the films that spoke to me the most and one film that I think is undeniably good. (laughs) So people can just take my list for what it is, and there's only one of those films that I would actually argue with somebody, and besides that, it's a personal list. So in such a long-winded answer, my list is very complicated.
2: (laughs) I also predict, actually, that the overlap between our lists will be fairly low this year uh because I do think there was a wide spread of good movies that spoke to yeah. different people. Yeah. Uh, we'll yes. we'll find out. But I'm I'm definitely going to try to squeeze in a few honorable mentions of things that I'm annoyed that I couldn't fit in a top 5.
1: <laughs> yeah. And also the the other film that isn't the one that necessarily spoke to me like the other ones but that I think is undeniably good. I still don't know where on the list I want to put it.
2: <laughs> yeah, I I think I know what you're talking about and it, I did not put it on my list. But it we'll could, see.
1: It could be fifth, just so that it's in the list. It could be first because I want it to be. It could be in the middle arbitrarily. Like I don't, I don't even know where to put it. Um,
2: While we were sitting here talking, I bumped one thing off the list and put another one on. So uh, very, <laughs> con- very conflicted. Last minute changes. We're, we're
3: working in the moment right now. Yes, exactly.
1: I think I think I'm gonna put the film at number three. <laughs>
3: It's like, guys, I just changed my number one movie right now.
1: It is Jack the Giant Slayer.
3: <laughs> How did you guess? Oh, it was so good.
1: I uh, just that the relationship between the guy and the princess and the beanstalks yes. and like the the CG was so good in that
3: movie. It was it was a, a spectacularly good.
1: I really like the uh, the head that was mounted on the shoulder of the one giant.
3: Yeah, uh, right. I like when his eye came out. All I'm right, good. Undeniably.
1: Well, uh, let's just get into this then before I keep rambling on about why I don't like my list, but I like it. And uh, Carson, why don't you start us off with what your fifth favorite or best or the fifth film you want to talk about? What is that?
3: Okay. Um, Well, I'm going to go ahead right off the bat and cheat uh, because I think that these two movies are so uh, connected and they have to be discussed at the same time. well, one is a film called uh, that I feel like was very, very overlooked. It was called *Barbarian Sound Studio*, and uh, this is a film that stars Toby Jones, and uh, he's a sound guy, and he's hired to work on a Italian horror film. <laughs> and he comes into, and he, he his background is working on like children's TV shows, and he comes into this studio, and it's a complete. Uh, change uh, in especially like the work environment. Everyone's just like a total dick and it's like a very, it feels very real in the sense that like there are these kind of production companies that operate like this and he's such a sweet nice guy and he's thrust into this world of depravity and um, it's just a complete 180 from what he's used to and uh, it's set during uh it's it's kind of like uh we don't know when it's exactly set but it's definitely either uh late 70s early 80s so all the uh sound is being done the old school way uh on you know tape and reels and stuff like that and uh, it's just really cool because it gives you like a behind the scenes look into like that world so like you know you see like toby jones like whacking watermelons you know for foley and stuff like that <laughs> um you know recording that and it's really cool uh how they recreate all of that and it's a very very loving loving tribute to like that style of horror like the italian horror like dario argento and lucio fulci and Lamberto bava like all those dudes who made like those crazy italian horror movies back in the day in that time period um and it's crazy cuz you never get to see the horror movie that they're making you just hear it but it sounds so frightening and the movie itself isn't really scary but it becomes very frightening because it like starts to blur reality and fiction um So
1: this is this is a narrative film right It's a narrative film okay.
3: yeah like it's definitely a narrative movie and uh the period recreation of that is really cool Um and that's why I think the movie that's like tied very closely to it that also came out this year was a movie called computer chess, which is also takes place during the same time period, uh, like early eighties. And uh, except instead of film, this is about uh, computers, obviously. And it's like this group of like hardcore uh, engineers who are testing out uh, this computer that can play chess for like the very first time. So they're like, It's all these like dudes from different schools get together at a convention over a weekend, and uh, they play chess with their computers that they've designed or like you know they're testing out. And uh, it's all shot in like old school like eighties video. It's in like four three black and white, and like the period recreation is like amazing in this movie. Like everyone totally looks the part, and everyone is just like so into. The material and again it's a very loving tribute to like that kind of material because like you have to know that this guy like is obviously very fascinated with this subject matter and like to me like I don't really know much about computers but like something about this movie was just like completely fascinating and just the way that it plays out it's very mundane but it's like very interesting at the same time and all the characters have like their own quirks and again it starts to blur, like kind of reality and fiction, toward the end, and it's it's really interesting. Um, so yeah, like I think like watching those two movies together would be like a really great double feature, <laughs> and they're both on Netflix Instant, so you should check them out. Inter- I almost watched uh,
2: Computer Chess last night, actually. That that was one of the ones that barely did not make the cut in my head of cramming it in before the review. Uh, because I was told by a lot of people, actually, that that was a really good film. Uh, yeah, so I'll have th- to check it out.
3: Yeah, I think you guys would like it. It's it's really interesting. Bear yeah, in I mind like, that I know a lot about computers yes, and I how think... we make them play chess. <laughs> 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 I don't know. I think you might have, like, a... I don't know. You might get, like, a deeper enjoyment out of it. I don't know. But, like, it is, like, one of the nerdiest movies I've ever seen. Like, the the fact that, like like, like I said, I think the guy, like, knows like a lot about that kind of world and like is very passionate about it. And uh it it comes through in waves. You can you can feel it.
1: It would be funny if like Steven watches it and the entire film falls apart because it's not accurate to computer programming <laughs> or anything like that. That would be pretty funny. <laughs> to
2: um, me you know, it feels were... accurate. There was at least one film this year that I thought that might happen with and it did not. <laughs> so I, I don't think I'm too too stubborn about reality when it comes to programming
1: <laughs> all right uh S- steven do you want to go on to your number five
2: yeah so speaking of that film um <laughs> so uh, this is a movie one of the very last ones that i watched this year actually I had to squeeze to fit it into the 2013 list um and that was a film called her by spike jones
1: never um, heard of it yeah never
2: <laughs> n- never heard of it her <laughs> uh, I don't know if you saw my Arrested Development job. I, I anyway. did, I did. Uh, so, so anyway, th- this is a movie Egg? for anyone who, who maybe hasn't heard of it yet. Um, Starring uh, Joaquin Phoenix, uh, who falls in love with his operating system, um, a computer played by Scarlett Johansson. And going into it, as a person who works in artificial intelligence, I was prepared to have this movie be ruined by its portrayal of ai like, like like it's so easy for a sci-fi movie to just completely take me out if they uh you, you know if they do something that i know as a person who works in this field could never happen or yeah. or just portray it in in a way that like betrays a misunderstanding of how it works yeah. um and this movie did not suffer from that at all uh and and of course the, the this was a sci-fi in the traditional sense. Uh. In the sense that it does build a world uh, and develop it, this universe in, I don't know what time it's supposed to be in L.A., uh, you know, a few decades later. Uh, but I thought it did a wonderful job of showing life in the future for this very isolated, uh, very kind of lonely character yeah. who who you can sympathize with a lot, but you can also feel pity for. Like Like, you can see his character flaws and how he lives lives in this world where everything is connected and everything is immediately available. And, and what blew my mind about this movie is that I could actually feel emotions for the fact that he was falling in love with this computer. <laughs> uh, l- like, like it, it would start out where you would watch him frolicking alone or playing or or, or things that look like what a crazy person would do, <laughs> uh, you, you know, with his phone in his pocket and just running and dancing and smiling. Yeah. I- and at first, I think it is played for a laugh uh, at the beginning, but but by the end, you really really feel that. Um, I, I also thought just the whole idea, and I I won't ruin the ending, but there's a lot I could say about the the idea of the singularity that we talk about, uh, in computer science and what happens here. Uh, but I I will just say that everything about this movie was lovely, like totally Spike Jonesy. There was Warm colors, a uh, really sketched out world. The the long monologues of Scarlett Johansson were great. Uh, soundtrack by Owen Pallet of Final Fantasy. Uh, everything was really good. but I I really enjoyed this movie.
0: Yeah.
3: Yeah, I I love that movie. It was really really good. I mean, I think from the opening uh, title card where it just said her, like I don't know something about that. I was just already. Like I was already like tearing up. I was like, this movie, it's already right, it's already got me. Like I don't know, like it's something about, uh, the movie from like the moment it started was just like it was it was really special. Like I think that the you know we talk about world building a lot, and this movie has it in spades. Like I think that uh, it's definitely the best looking L.A. movie, uh, in a while or ever. Cause like usually when L.A. is on screen, it looks like crap. It and it's being attacked a... by monster <laughs> <Maryland>. something <laughs> like yeah it just looks like digital you know crappery but uh yeah like i think that and i and i noticed at the end of the movie that they also shot in hong kong too i, so, I was like, gonna
2: ask if they shot in asia because it felt yeah, very like hong kong or tokyo
3: like the the blend of the two was really really cool and it was very seamless too because there were moments where i was like uh, where did they shoot this in la because like i don't think that, that exists. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then when it said, you know, Hong Kong at the end, I was like, okay, that makes sense. But for but for the fact that like I thought they were still in LA the whole time was really, really cool. And um it's very detailed. I mean like the stuff like down to the stuff where like, you know, Joaquin's walking around with uh, his phone in his uh, shirt pocket. And Joaquin he's got walkin'. like Joaquin walking, obviously. <laughs> uh and he's got uh you know, he's got his phone in his shirt pocket and he's got like the uh the pin uh to to hold it up so she can see out uh i mean stuff like that was just like really cool it, it, and, yeah, yeah
1: that that it's funny that you bring that up like that that sort of attention to detail for me was one of the things that like, i really liked about the film because there, like there's no reason why they couldn't have just designed Samantha's device to be tall enough to fit in a pocket there's also no reason why she couldn't be looking out of, of the bridge of his glasses Um, But instead, they had one device that everyone in this world can use. And because it's too short to to fit out of a pocket, he always has the pins. They never say like, oh, I'm going to pin this so that it sticks out. It's just like a, a little touch of the world of like it was it's definitely a conscious decision to make it that way. And like little touches like that in the film are pretty awesome to just to see them do things like that. It makes it feel real as opposed to feel like a like stylized vision of the future it feels like the real version of this future
2: right it's like he actually fleshed out what this future would look like yeah Uh, the the same with the way people have this computer in their pocket and they connect it to their monitors when they're working and uh, they play games on it and so when they play the game the audio can hear the other audio going in i I don't know just every detail the way they played games together the way the um the way the desktop environments were in 3D and they controlled that with this like touchpad and I I don't know it, it was just very well crafted I think I, I couldn't find too many holes in the vision of the future that he made.
3: Yeah, it wasn't it wasn't like an overpowering where technology was everything. Like there right. was still like some shred of like the present in there. Like I, I felt like that all the tech stuff to me felt completely plausible in terms of like yeah I could see that you know being how it is you know a couple years down the line or whatever
1: yeah and from an emotional standpoint like this this trailer was like a Walter Mitty trailer like for me like I've been waiting for most of this year to see this damn movie um, and was kind of annoyed that it didn't come out earlier and then I had to like rush to see it before so it could be in consideration for talking um, but uh, one thing that's been annoying me really bad is in the theater, the reception of this trailer is, like, groaning to some people. Like, a lot of times, like, people are like, oh, what's this movie? And then as soon as, like, the... You know, everybody refers to this as the movie about Joaquin Phoenix falling in love with Siri, yeah. And um, every time I, like, am sitting in the theater and the trailer plays, uh, without even having seen the movie, anytime somebody would be like, ugh, or a groan, or I could hear their eyes rolling back in their head, I, it made me angry because, like, I don't get what i mean if if you see the movie and you don't like it like that's cool like you are allowed to not like it but why is the concept so like grown worthy to people like i don't get it like it seems very authentic and um yeah i don't know that's just been i just wanted to voice that something's been annoying me sitting in theaters seeing this trailer um yeah. for since it came out
2: and i think what what kept it from being that really was scarlett johansson uh I, I mean the the voice performance that she gave here to give Samantha a real character and show you from the outset that you know in in nerdy terms this passed the Turing test like this is a this is a machine that is indistinguishable from a person and has an actual consciousness and set of feelings yeah uh, and and the way that she plays that and slowly learns throughout the film I I just. I I love that. I I think it's what really kept this from being
3: the pathetic story of a man who fell in love with Siri.
2: Yeah.
3: Yeah. I think that, um, I think it's a concept that could have gone like horribly South, but in the hands of Spike Jones, uh, it doesn't like, I, I feel like if people know, like they should know better once they see from the director of being John Malkovich, uh, you know, flash up during the trailer because, like, I feel like that is a sign that's like, okay, this is a concept that's in good hands. It's not like you know from you know Brett Ratner or something. Like, it's it's definitely you know not being played for broad comedy or anything like that.
1: Yeah,
2: yeah. I mean, in my mind,
3: where Robot and Frank
2: fell flat to me as a person who works in this field, this movie succeeded in making me believe in the relationship that was taking place.
1: Yeah,
3: yeah. I like Robot and Frank, but I mean, it was kind of two different things. Like, he didn't yeah. fall in love with Frank. <laughs> or the robot. You know, I, I the thought robot that was the subtext. Lo- oh, okay. <laughs> that would be a weird movie. He wanted to. <laughs> he wasn't a sex robot or anything.
1: All right, so uh, should I go on to my number five? Yes, go Let's for it. Let's hear it. All right, so starting with my first movie that just spoke to me that... Whatever, it may feel cheap to put on the list, but it's just a film that I identified with way too much Um, that is The Spectacular Now. Um, So it's basically the story of this high school kid who just, like, he's at the end of his high school career and he's just not growing up, and that's, like, one of the main themes of this film is, like, he's not ready to be an adult yet, and his relationships with his girlfriend and new love interests... Um, all kind of play into that uh the way his family dynamic is, the fact that his father left when he was younger um, there 's a bunch of things that all play into this character, and it's it 's a thing that just where the story 's going and the progression of his character, and like he 's sort of just the party animal, the crazy dude who just wants to have fun and he meets like a very innocent young girl who like in a way he 's good for her because he 's helping her br- branch out, but he 's also this bad guy who. Is probably going to be a bad influence on her, and just watching the progression of their relationship and how he is learning or not learning over the course of the film, it just really identified with with me. And like I, I remember in high school where like I was not ready for high school to end. Like not that I was a super cool party guy in high school, but it was just like I wasn't sure what I wanted to do with my life and wasn't necessarily on a a trajectory that um, was even a trajectory at all. I was kind of just like, okay, whatever. I'm gonna graduate high school. I'll go to community college, then I'll transfer to some place. I don't really care. And um, I don't know. There's something about Sutter's character really uh, hit me. And even like my high school relationships that I had, um, I felt an aspect of those in um, him and like how how he acted. So I, this is just a film that. I've rewatched, I've seen it twice, and uh, both times I'm really just, it, it just, it didn't feel like it could be my life, but there was aspects of my life that were parallel with with him, and because of that, it was just a film that I walked away being very enamored with, so there you
3: go. Yeah, I, definitely one of the best movies of the year, like, I, I think that... Uh the guys who wrote this who also wrote 500 days of summer uh it's a a testament to their writing skills because uh i if you had to tell me which movie was better i don't know i don't know what i would choose because i think they're two very different movies but they kind of tackle the same themes and stuff and uh this one's obviously a lot darker uh but yeah very authentic and uh miles teller man i will watch that guy till the end of time he is uh He's definitely, like, the best new young actor out there. Uh, same with Shalane Woodley. Like, she's really good, too. And,
1: and this is the movie that made me come around on Miles Teller because I wasn't – it's not that I wasn't a huge fan of him. It's just the, the characters he was playing I didn't like. <laughs>
3: oh, you, you mean yeah, 21, it, 21 and up didn't do it? <laughs> 21 and over was pretty funny.
1: Though. Yeah, it, it, <laughs> basically, whenever he's, like uh,
3: – He was playing a lot of the same type of characters yeah yeah yeah
1: and and even even the character sutter is not necessarily that far off from those characters but he's more human to like he's he's he acts out but i don't think he's really a bad guy like he cares but he he, he's putting up this front and he acts a certain way that is maybe counter to how he would like to be but it's sort of just the persona he's created so um I, i don't know just the movie worked for me on a million different levels and uh i sort of just loved it so
3: did you did you see the movie rabbit hole i did not okay because he's in that that was like one of his first big roles and it's a very uh that was like the first thing i ever saw him in so it was weird because then then after that he did like footloose and the 21 over like those kind of roles yeah so that was i was that's where it tipped me off i was like this guy is good because like he went from like hardcore drama to like wacky comedy and he played them both really well
1: gotcha yeah, so.
3: I mean, I, I totally agree with Chris on this movie. Um, it, it
2: it didn't make my cut only because there were so many good indie flicks about this exact thing, actually, about that feeling of discontent of, like, growing up, growing up and not quite knowing where you are in the world, yeah. uh, what your place is. And I thought more than any of them, this film nailed the way that high schoolers actually communicate with each other. And the way that their relationships would take form. Um, this was definitely made by people who have been there. <laughs> I granted, everyone has been there, but yeah. who who have a very keen understanding of how we interact with each other. Uh, and and definitely the the romance. I I don't know the name of the uh, the female lead in this movie who played opposite Sh- him.
3: Shalane Woodley, yeah, from but, The Descendants.
2: Yeah, uh, but I mean as. If I could transport myself into being 17 again, I would have fallen for the same girl for the same reasons, I think. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I thought everything about this was just played really true to life, uh, very well done. Yeah. I, I think in most years, this would have made my top five. It's actually a testament to how many movies I loved this year that, that it didn't make it.
1: Yeah. All right. Well, uh, Carson, you want to go on to your number four?
3: Okay, uh number 4 is uh definitely the best theatrical uh experience I had this year. Uh like purely just personal uh, personal wise. Uh definitely the best IMAX 3D experience I've had by far. The
1: Desolation of Smaug. Uh <laughs> yes, how did you guess?
3: Smaug is just so good looking. Uh, yeah, Frances Ha. You just need to see her in 3D. Frances Ha looked great on IMAX 3D. I mean, she just dances did, right out of the screen. I don't think it needed to be that way, but I mean, why not? Um, no, and I think that, I know what you're thinking. Gravity, no. I love the crap out of Metallica through the Never, and I'm sure it would be. <laughs> not on anyone else's list but I want to champion no. this movie because
1: I had I had to bump it for spectacular
3: now. <laughs> but I mean they're really the same kind of movie if you think about it. Yeah. I I mean, I am a huge fan of Metallica, but I feel like this movie can play to people who have uh no inkling of uh knowledge of Metallica. Like I think that uh not only does it work as like a really badass concert movie, but it's just, like a badass movie in general, because there's like this really awesome narrative uh weaved through it, starring uh Dane DeHaan, aka Cricket, our favorite cripple on this podcast. <laughs> uh and uh he plays he plays a roadie for Metallica in this movie, and he has to go out for whatever reason, some MacGuffin, and uh you know, the apocalypse basically happens (laughs) while he's out on the streets and all the songs or all the events reflect like the songs that they're playing in the concert. And like, this is better than like the front row seat. Good. Like I've never been to a Metallica concert, but like this felt like I was right there next to them all. And like seriously, the loudest movie I've ever watched ever. Like this movie, (laughs) my ears were ringing. Like it was hard to hear after it was, amazing like the the imax the irvine spectrum imax theater was like literally getting a workout from the the sound design in this movie um and it's like very very striking like the the movie is uh really well directed like this was not like some justin bieber one direction like concert movie that they crapped out in like a month like this was like a very well thought out and crafted uh movie like it it's really, really spectacular. And like, there's a lot of really striking memorable visuals. Uh, Near the end, there's uh, a sequence in particular. That's like still like that will stay with me. Like it's one of the coolest things I've seen. So I will, I (laughs) heartily recommend this movie. The the, only Steve
1: and I are still waiting for the just kidding.
2: (laughs) So the, the only thing I know about this movie is the trailer that never ended before Elysium. Uh, I, 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 I it must have gone on for at least like seven minutes. It it wasn't even a trailer. I don't know what it was. Um, huh? Yeah. When I was sitting, I think you talked Elysium, about that. It it was starting with that backstory that you're talking about of the you know post apocalyptic or I guess during apocalyptic. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Biker battle type thing. Uh, yeah. I mean, I I did not get it, and and I have a feeling I would not have the same reaction to it that you did. <laughs> but good on you.
1: Yeah, for for me, like I mean, Metallica is Metallica. Uh, obviously they, um, like I was never a huge fan of theirs. Uh, I was sort of annoyed with their whole like Napster, I hate the world. We're gonna like sue everybody out of existence type thing, yeah. or like mm-hmm. all the stories you hear every once in a while of like we're gonna sue this band for using like the E and the F chord because we invented those. Um, all those like weird stories about Metallica just have left a sour metallic taste in my mouth. Um so like just you describing Sing. the you describing the, the the plot of this film being that like not only is a roadie like experiencing the apocalypse, but like metaphorically their music is what the apocalypse will be. Like just the the audacity of like <laughs> portraying their music as being like so like I don't know. There's something about like the metaphor for me is just sort of annoying. And I don't know. I,
2: why. I mean, I think for me, I'm just not. I I'm not a metalhead, and I don't resonate with that aesthetic. But I can I know plenty of people who do, and I I can think of a few people in particular who would probably love this film, but I would not be one of them.
3: Yeah. Uh, I mean, I think that I I didn't. I don't know. Like what I said, like their songs kind of like go with not it doesn't like completely go with but they're like there's like little things that like sync everything up i don't think it's like a metaphor for like oh we're like the you know bringers of doom or whatever but uh i just think that like it reflects like what's happening in the narrative and like on stage too because there's like obviously like pyrotechnics and stuff going on on stage like it it really is like I know you guys think I'm just like joking or whatever, but uh it really is like a very unique take on like this kind of genre, definitely like the most entertaining one I've seen,
1: yeah, and i i don't I don't doubt it it's just like in my head, I just went to a negative place immediately, um
3: well, no, i mean i I feel like most people would, but I mean it got like a lot of i mean it's got like a really high like rating and it's got a lot of praise for it, I just feel like it is a movie like when it came out and when i knew it was coming out i was like well i'm definitely going to watch it but like i feel like no one else will because it just seems like so like bizarre and obscure that like who's going to go see it like it's not it doesn't have like that appeal of well like a, like a one direction or whatever like they have like <laughs> Wait, they like, have an uh, appeal well you know what i mean like they have they have like a ton of fans and like they'll show up regardless you know and be like oh my god it's my husband or whatever (laughs) uh you know even like even like justin bieber who like will go to like a brothel and spit on his fans and stuff and yet he'll still have girls showing up to the theater he has fans in a brothel (laughs) screaming uh his name What, what are you saying about bieber fans I'm saying that they'll they'll stick with him even after like he becomes like the biggest tool. So mm-hmm. after after he has <laughs> sex with a lot of Brazilian hookers, uh, but, Like right. tool fans. Well, <laughs>
1: well, on that note, Stephen, do you want to take us into your uh, number four?
2: Yeah, I mean, my number four is very similar, actually. Um, oh, good in feeling and the reaction <laughs> it gave me. Uh, and that is Before Midnight. <laughs> <laughs> totally totally in the same uh, genre. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty and and this is a film right before the apocalypse which will take place at yes. at, at midnight. At midnight. No, yeah. but, <laughs> so, so for those who are unaware, um Before Midnight is the third in a series of Before movies, Before Sunrise, Before Sunset, Before Midnight. Uh and I had actually not seen any of them uh, when i first watched before midnight so i, I went in knowing nothing except for that link letter is kind of like a pretentious dude who likes to you know <laughs> ha- have movies where people have philosophic conversations that couldn't ever happen in reality um yeah like in like in the bad news bears remake <laughs> yeah definitely so, or, so you know, in, in like a scanner darkly or waking s- life s- so th- this was yeah, the no, first no, no, of the yeah, three that you, you watched Sorry, what was that
1: Th- This was the first of the three that you watched?
2: Yes, this was the first huh. that i watched interesting uh, and And so after watching it, I immediately had to go back and check out the others because i can't I can't review this in isolation uh, I mean they're really a the the film has to be taken with the other two movies to capture uh the feeling behind it uh, uh so the basic premise of these movies is that uh these two people, Jesse and celine, uh, met in Europe. 18 years ago, kind of like the European version of Lost in Translation, Uh, at the time, like two people running into each other in a foreign country, walking around, having a conversation. And and there's something about all of them that really spoke to me, like they perfectly capture that feeling of uh, finding love in an isolated place uh, and and going through the ups and downs of love. Uh, And this one went a step further than like the Lost in Translation vibe, uh, because in this it looks at what would have happened if bill murray and scarlett johansson had stayed together started a life together and then started to drift apart and contemplate divorce um (laughs) yeah and and, and there's like a there's a depth to that that could be unbelievably frustrating to watch because in a sense you're just watching people have an argument uh for two hours in what couldn't have been more than like 30 takes total. I, I don't know. They're like, they were very long cuts of an argument. Uh, the
3: Yeah. I was and, just going to say that, like that scene where they're in the car, it probably goes on for like a good 20 minutes. And it's yeah, like I think one so. unbroken take.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Or, or the scene and maybe through the magic of cinema, they did hide little cuts in there that I didn't notice. But the, the argument scene in the hotel that has to be at least like 40 minutes long. Right. And and I'm sure there are cuts in between.
3: Yeah. Uh, there are definitely cuts. Yeah. In there. yeah. It just feels very, you know, continuous.
2: So in one way, I think the criticism I was going in with was correct. The conversations are a little unbelievable in the sense that there's no way real people are this (laughs) clever or good at vocalizing their feelings. But at the same time, it was also unbelievable in how engrossing and how much the, uh, the acting resonated with me. Uh, I mean, you can really tell that uh, Ethan Hawke and Julie Delpy had a part in making this film and writing the script, uh, because there's something about it that just flows so naturally as these two characters communicating with each other. Yeah. Um,
3: Yeah, I don't like. I don't know what was like. I don't know how much was scripted because it all feels very natural. Yeah. Well, so I
2: know that they are co-screenwriters in this movie. Yeah, and they were on
3: the second one too.
2: Yes. So they definitely went back and forth. They right.
3: definitely had like a hand in creating it and shaping it, but like, I I just would it'd be interesting to know like how much was actually written down and how much was either improvised or you know, just made up on the spot because, it it just all feels very natural and that's a testament to those two like they're very good actors and they're very good in those parts. They make I think it they make it very believable. They make the unbelievable believable because yes, I feel exactly. like in a lesser in, a, in lesser hands, those two roles would come off as annoying and pretentious but, like, they make it very, you know, like you said, engrossing. Well, I, I think Absolutely. what it comes
1: down to is that, like, I get what you were saying, Steven, about how, like, m- like you almost want to question, like, how articulate they are and how good they are at forming um, their things but I think, like, the way I totally forgive that is that he is a writer, so, yeah. like, it, it makes sense that yes. he's going to be as well-spoken as he is and she is this very much like empowered woman who who has like strived to be that way like so it's like it seems like on, on the one hand they might be sort of a heightened version of a character but it feels completely authentic to me because of what those the roles of those people are to be that like the characters are made in the way that they would be it's like, it doesn't feel yeah. like a Gilg- Gilmore Girls episode or something where it's like nobody talks like that. What the hell is going on? Um, it definitely like, fits their characters. Yeah, it feels yeah. like like maybe I don't talk that way, but they, they 100% would. do. Yeah, yeah. and
2: yeah. If, if anyone could make that dialogue believable, I think it is these two characters and these yeah. two right. actors. Yeah, uh, for sure. Wait, so, I, so like Steven...
3: I... Oh, sorry, go ahead.
2: Oh, I, I was just going to say I what I thought this really nailed and what has kind of been a theme this year is that vague feeling of, discontent where things aren't nothing is going wrong but things aren't quite going right either. I mean m- most of these were in coming of age movies this year like Francis Hod Post College or you know the way way back for this kid or spectacular now uh, but this this had that same feeling of what do we do now but with wiser characters that actually had something I felt very meaningful to say. I mean e- even the first time I watched this prior to seeing the other two Knowing nothing about who Jesse and Celine were, I I was completely engrossed in it. And and after going back and watching the history and rewatching it, you know, it was a 10x effect.
0: Hmm.
3: No, that's what I was going to ask you is that you obviously enjoyed it having not seen the first two. But then that, yeah, that was my question is like, did you enjoy it more after having seen the others?
2: Oh, much more. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Definitely. But it, it was kind of interesting to watch. To watch before sunrise, knowing how before midnight would end, uh, yeah. like like knowing where these characters were going well de- yeah de-
1: it definitely flavors all the experiences that um did did you <laughs> did you watch them completely in reverse chronological order like did you start <laughs> no. with the second one okay.
2: no after watching before midnight, I immediately wrote down like you need to watch before sunrise. I, 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 then, kind of,
1: I kind of I kinda wish that you would have watched the second one second and then the first one last. Style. Um <laughs> well no, just because it would be really interesting to have like a uh, off the air, completely spoiler conversation with you about uh certain beats in all of them yeah. and where like because part part of the uh genius of the film is or the films in general is that there's stuff that you aren't told has happened that through the course of conversation is slowly revealed to you and if you are viewing one and two from like so basically two like there's a there's a huge gap of time that takes place between one and two and then two and three so in two you find out about stuff like when you start the movie there's a lot of information you simply do not have and as two progresses you are picking up on little bits of uh, stuff that explain where the characters have gone between that first film and now And then in the third, obviously, there's many times where the same thing happens. But having already had all the knowledge of the third, uh, I wonder how those reveals work for you since they're not a reveal because you already have the full knowledge of those bits of information.
2: Right. And and because I had the full knowledge, there was really no reveal in any of these films. Um, And to me, that was perfectly fine. It it was all about the, the dialogue and the journey getting there. And I... I'll wear my heart on my sleeve like I was a complete sap I watched before sunrise on a plane ride about to land in Germany and getting on the train <laughs> 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 which is the setting of before sunrise uh before sunset was also on a plane the second time I watched before midnight was on a train in Japan like this is very it's a really good movie to watch when you are alone traveling. you know traveling far away not knowing what's going to happen and Thinking blindly, like, hey, maybe, maybe this will happen to me. Yeah, <laughs> and, it, and it didn't. But I, <laughs> I, I just love, I just love that these movies exist. Uh, I think Before Sunrise yeah. is easily like my top five romantic films of all time. Yeah, and while this doesn't strike the chord that that does, because this is not a love story so much as a trying to stay in love story, I think this is even if not as. Uh, Heart-wrenching, I think it's probably wiser and deeper than the other movies were.
1: Well, to take a line from the narrator of 500 Days of Summer, this is not a love story. It's a story about love.
3: Mm. Yes.
1: So, there you I go. Just
3: wanna, I just want to – I would say that uh, I would make the statement that that these three movies are a perfect trilogy. Like, I just have no problems with them. Yeah, yes, take, the, take I, I that, Lucas.
0: That.
3: Yeah, take yeah. – yeah, shove it. <laughs> Take your Ewoks and shove it. Um, (laughs) No, yeah, like I, like when I saw Before Midnight, obviously being a fan of the other two, like that was just like a culmination. Like I was just like, they completely did it. Like they That was everything that I like was hoping it would be. And uh, it was like a perfect way to cap that off.
1: Yeah,
2: I, I read a great conversation on a message board about if they make a fourth movie, what will they call it? And someone said to just do B four the number four.
1: <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. I approve.
3: <laughs> and he falls. Ethan Hawke falls in love with his iPhone. Obviously. Uh, so okay. they, they
1: do have iPhones in the third movie.
2: <laughs> yeah, I, I do also want to say that I love, I love the idea of these movies aging, kind of in the way that the like Seven Up series of films checks in on people every seven years uh yeah i I just love the idea of a continuing story and i would i would love it if nine years from now we get another before movie maybe maybe they're still together maybe they've been divorced
3: i don't know but i would love to keep watching them yeah i would keep watching them i hope i don't know if they will continue them Mm -hmm. but yeah i mean it's definitely the characters are so good that you you want to keep watching them
1: yeah no sure. i i believe so also um i i would de- I, I don't know if they could pull off another one but i would definitely watch it um i envision sort of a fourth one possibly being one of them has passed away and the other one is still like talking to them um i not like in a weird paranormal way but i mean like remembering them and or like talking to the one. to the great <laughs> <laughs> not, not like safe haven yes um The twist
3: is, he's like, oh my gosh, she's dead.
1: Like, start with a funeral and everybody remembering them, and then the the remaining person is, like, talking to the grave the way that people tend to do. Um, Mm -hmm. But anyways, I'm not saying they should do that. I'm just saying, like, that's sort of... There would be, like, a finality to the series if they did something like that. Um, I don't know.
3: Yeah. I mean, there's definitely a finality to the third one, I feel like. Um, But... And also, it leaves it open-ended. But I think that... (laughs) No, but I, yeah, I think that, the like, best kind of finality. I, I think that it's it's ambiguous, but like at the same time, if they if this is their last one, if they decide not to make any more, like it's definitely there's definitely a finality to it. Like you yeah, can say yeah. like okay, well
2: that's it. I could have said that about Before Sunset too. I mean that yeah, there it would have ended as a love story where you know yeah. like, you can you can see where the lines are going to intersect. Like you know what's going to happen after the credits roll. Yeah, uh, but I love that they took it a step further and didn't didn't let it just be like a a romance. They actually let it grow into more than that.
1: Yeah. Cool. All right. So my number four. Uh, this is this is number two of my sad sap. Uh, speaks to me and probably the one I'll have the least to say about. Um, but. Uh, it is Short Term 12 um, in, in my chronology of the life of a human being. This is sort of like the, this is the people who are a little bit older than maybe Sutter was in The Spectacular Now, um, who are so busy trying to fix other people's lives that they can't fix their own life. Um, and it's really, it's one of those films where like I can't really explain why I liked it so much. And in fact, when I first, I saw Spectacular Now and Short Term 12 the same weekend, and I left then um liking the spectacular now over the short-term 12 and the short-term 12 is the one that i haven't watched again um so i don't know how it would change going back and revisiting it but i feel maybe because i'm older and like the main characters are a little bit older in that and uh it's a little more it's, it's a lot of people dealing with different emotions as opposed to just like one uh couple dealing with it uh it it feels like a little bit stronger, and I don't have the best uh, backup for that. It's just a film that I walked out being very satisfied, having seen, and feeling overwhelmingly that uh, it was a fantastic film, and that people should be seeing it. So,
2: absolutely, and I'm I'm actually going to cut Carson and break the rules because this is my number three, also. So we oh, might as well we spend a little bit <laughs> spend a little bit longer <laughs> talking about it uh, very nice. rather than having Carson throw Wolf of Wall Street in between. <laughs> there we go. Um,
1: I hope so bad that Wolf of Wall Street is his number three. Or, is, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that would be hilarious. Uh,
2: uh, but, yeah, I mean, so I felt the same way that you did, actually. Short Term 12. So, to me, when I watched it, it it really blew me away. And on the outset, I don't know how to defend that. be Because the themes of this movie, when I tell people, like, it's about a... A girl who works in a home for troubled children that sounds like such an easy heartstring pulling type of film to make yeah it and does it, and i feel when i when i tell people that that i'm betraying like look i'm a sap i fell for it i felt like the movie was deep just because of the deep themes that it had going for it and you, you know it's always easier to look like a good movie when you're dealing with things like that yeah but but there was more to it i mean there were for one thing, Brie Larson's character—I, a, like—I loved her. I mean, I, I now have a official celebrity crush on Brie Larson. I, <laughs> uh, I, I thought she was like a, a wonderfully flawed protagonist and a believable one. I mean, I know, I've I've definitely had many friends who've struggled with you know depression and suicide and things like this, and I, I felt like she was a one hundred percent believable character. Like. Yeah. A, a mishmash of actual people that I know if they also looked like Brie Larson. Uh, <laughs> and
1: Which would be awesome.
2: Yeah, and the the relationship with the boyfriend I thought was so, it was nice and subtle. Like, it, it wasn't overbearing. It was just very, very true to life about how two people at this age would interact with each other. Yeah. Uh, and I loved, like, like, the scene of the dude, uh, I forget his name now. Uh, he does this rap uh, while the boyfriend does a uh, beatboxing. Yeah, yeah. And this kid raps out his feelings. And to me, that could be a contender for one of the most moving scenes that I've watched this year. I mean, I, I was just completely, like, silent and stunned when I watched that. So, yeah. L- like you, I haven't watched it again. I have no idea how it holds up. All I know is that when I first watched it, it really struck a chord with me. And and given that it's had very little publicity, I mean, part of it is the name. Nobody knows what short term twelve means. <laughs> um, yeah. But I really think it's a movie that people should seek out and watch
3: because it it has a lot going for it. It has a it got a lot of praise, uh, from like the festival. It played it South by Southwest, so like it and a couple other places, and it got like huge response from there I, I i've seen it pop up on a lot of uh best of lists online like slash film and places like that uh i think it's i definitely think it's a good movie i i don't i wasn't as blown away by like some of the like the praise that it was getting but i think that brie larson is a wonderful actor and she's definitely she is like uh Uh, miles teller in in the sense that she's you know one of a very exciting up-and-coming actress and uh also in the spectacular now yep um and i think uh for me personally the spectacular now resonated more uh than short-term 12 but uh i think that brie larson holds that movie together
1: yeah i think that like, like i said before when i that weekend, I had the spectacular now above short-term twelve simply because that film did resonate with me so much more. But the more I reflect on the film, like I think there is so much to offer in short-term twelve, and so many different um, way, like so many different characters to tackle similar themes in their own way, um, and so many like like little like heart-crushing moments that each of these characters have, um, and also joyous moments that they all have. That it it sort of just Overall, I think it's either a better film or a more pandering film that I fell for, and yeah, uh, right. E- either way, I, I'm happy with that.
3: I agree with Steven, though. The rap scene is uh, a really good scene. Yeah. So uh, I guess I'll I'll come I'll go back to my number three, um, <laughs> which also ties into it's not The Wolf of Wall Street, but it also does tie into all the like uh, indie uh you know romancy type of movies that came out this year uh and i i felt like this out of all the ones was my favorite uh and that was the movie in a world uh that was starring written directed produced by lake bell and uh it's a really really strong debut uh directorial Debut riding, it just everything like she's a triple threat in this movie, uh. And like I obviously seen like Bell on like Children's Hospital and shows like that and other other movies where she's playing like you know, the like minor side character. Um, but here she is the you know full on lead, and she is really really spectacular. Um, she just proves that uh she's a force to be reckoned with. Like I, I wish that or I hope that she gets like more lead roles uh, off of this movie because she is really, really charming and entertaining. And she's made like a very charming movie. Like I, this is like one of the most like just endlessly entertaining movies. And there's, uh, there's obviously the romance part thrown in too, which can obviously detract from a movie that isn't necessarily about, you know, the romance. Like there's, you know, sometimes it feels like you know you see like an action movie and they always have to throw in like the romantic subplot just because uh i feel like it really works here though and uh again it's another movie like with a behind the scenes look at like uh sort of like the movie industry because it's all about uh lake bell is the daughter of a uh famous uh voiceover artist who uh was like uh, he was like one of the top guys in his time and uh oh god i can't remember but the guy who did all the in the world uh trailers and voiceover uh, don stuff LaFontaine, probably. don lafontaine thank yeah, you my friend's dad was the successor to don lafontaine so i okay. heard about him a lot okay yeah so like that's interesting yeah like so like in the movie uh, they they totally you know don lafontaine is like the you know uh jumping off point and Lake Bell's father in the movie, who is a fictional character. He was supposed to be like Don LaFontaine's like rival, uh, in their heyday. And, uh, Lake Bell is an aspiring voiceover artist. And, you know, everyone tells her that like, you know, women can't be uh, voiceover artists and all this. And, uh, it's basically her trying to make it, uh, in that world. And, uh, yeah, it's really, really good. It's very, very funny and it's very smart. And, uh, it, doesn't end the way you would think it would. Uh, and the cast is, everyone's really great. Like Ken Marino's in it, Rob Corddry, uh, Dimitri Martin plays uh, the love interest in the film. Uh, like Nick Offerman shows up and uh, there's a couple really good cameos. And uh, it, it's a really like sly look on like that industry and uh, very interesting too, because you learn a lot about uh, all the the different intricacies of voiceover work which i think is really cool it's a it's a very very fun movie Hmm. Um, yeah and i i should chime in that i i didn't get to see this but
2: it was on my very very short list of things i wanted to see Uh, yeah i couldn't find a place online to watch it in the last few days but
3: yeah i don't i don't know if it's out yet I mean, I thought
1: thought it got a VOD release on iTunes because I remember seeing the trailer for it. it No, it's
3: pre-order on iTunes right now. Oh,
1: is it? Maybe it had a limited window? Because I could have sworn at one point I was looking at this on iTunes and was possibly going to watch it, but I couldn't tell from the trailer if it was going to be really good or sort of a, like, uh, not substandard, but it felt kind of like a straight-to-DVD. Like, the trailer, I couldn't tell if it was, like, fully legit or if it was, like, a... A sort of offshoot movie, um, so I ended up not seeing it. But I could have sworn there was like a limited window of time where it, it was available.
2: It yeah, might have I been. Think, based on word of mouth, I I think I heard like Nick Offerman on Doug Love Doug Loves movies or something. Uh, but I heard some
3: conversation about it
2: that made me very much want to take a look.
3: Yeah, it's really good. I I was very I was pleasantly surprised by it. I I think that uh, it deserves. Uh, a watch i don't think it's out like i said i don't think it's out yet on video and stuff maybe on uh yuri's movie bay or something but uh, (laughs) (laughs) i don't think it's officially out yet to to watch but when it does come out uh i would say definitely check it out
1: cool i might have to revisit that then or i i should say actually visit it (laughs) i mean
3: it like because we're we've been talking all about you know spectacular now uh mentioned way way back like i feel like it fits totally fits with like all the all those movies we've been mentioning cool in terms okay, of quality
2: so so we should skip me and go to chris i think this is your undeniable blockbuster one right uh, you said it uh, was number
1: three well i had actually scribbled it out earlier and i moved my <laughs> oh, undeniable no. blockbuster to number two um and my number three oddly slash conveniently enough oh. is before midnight <laughs> <laughs> um so obviously uh so i i had not seen all of these until recently early th- earlier this year i watched uh the first one for the first time um and then a week ago i or maybe it was a little, a little earlier ago i saw the second one and new year's eve i watch before midnight starting around ten ten, and finish it literally like the last part of the credits rolled. I picked up my phone to see what time it was and it clicked 12. And then I heard a bunch of people yelling outside. So I watched this right leading up to midnight um, on New Year's Eve and freaking love this movie. Uh, uh, like, like I, like I said to you, Steven, there, there's like things that you like, because you knew a bunch of information, like leaving the second film coming into this uh, uh, third film, I had no idea where they were and how it was going to start and um, kind of what had happened between the second and the third one. So, like, all of that was completely new and interesting. And just as they reveal those things over the course of the episode, um, I I just loved getting those little bits and catching up with where they've been this whole time. Um, But also, like... This one is a little bit more expansive in a way because you have, you know, the other two films are pretty much just the two of them walking and talking, and you get to experience their relationship through each other and and how uh, how they've experienced their own lives and how they communicate that to each other. But in this one, like, there's something about that scene in the middle where they're all sitting down and having dinner, where you have like you have two older couples who have both like lost the other person of that couple. You have the around their age couple who have lived their life together. You have the main couple of this film sitting on the other side of the table and you have a young couple who have just met, all of which seem to have met in a kind of similar way, like a very, like, chance meeting with each other and then sort of getting together later on in life. And, um, you know, just the the older guy is also a writer, so he's very eloquent in the way he speaks and he has these very, like, grand ideas of relationships and stuff. And even before you really get into the meat of... um the toll that this relationship has taken on the main characters, you just seeing the way people interpret their relationships and look at relationships and them talking about uh, their versions of love and how they see the perfect relationship going and um, how they've experienced. I don't know. Just This film is one of those films that I think gets and understands love and relationships and um, kind of where it goes and the fight that they do have and the things that people say to each other when they're in love, yet defensive and angry, and the ideas of resentment and um th- this film I think says all that you can say about relationships in a way that is just amazing. And the fact that it pay like it has a little bit of the Toy Story Three syndrome to where it's like, I don't know if it would work having not seen the first two films. Um but I don't care, like, lump them all three together as one long-ass movie because it's brilliant. And I don't know, I just love everything that it has to offer. And obviously, you've talked a lot about it, Steven, and Carson has chimed in on this stuff. But, yeah, that's,
0: that's – yeah,
2: I, I, I love it. I mean, totally agreed. The, the, the one thing I'm curious about – so we've had me who saw this before the other two movies – and, and then you, I believe, watched them all in a short time frame, <laughs> you well, said? like, it, you... I've,
1: I've, I saw them all this year, but it was a long time between the first and the second, and it was at least, like, two weeks, I think, um, mm-hmm. between the second and third.
2: Because I have to wonder what people who actually watched them when they came out, what, what that effect has been like, where they're aging in real time, <laughs> kind of, with the characters. <laughs> yeah. That, that'd be a very interesting perspective to hear, which unless your parents were extremely artistic and cool, none of us had that opportunity. Yeah.
1: No, it would, it, I would love to have experienced it in a way that like, I saw them all in theaters. It was talked about amongst people and I could have had conversations. Like if, if we had been doing this podcast that long and after each episode, we could have a long ass discussion about like the merits of the film and the points that br- were brought up and like spoiler discussions about where we think they're going. And then to get reintroduced to them at each step along the way. um, I, that it would have been awesome. And I'm kind of sad that haven't been able to experience it that way, but I'm happy that I have experienced it in the way that I have.
2: Yeah. And I've got to point out for that, that dinner scene that you mentioned with all the couples talking and uh, sharing their experiences. That was one of those moments where I could feel I could feel the cynical part of me, like this imaginary other person watching it, mocking it like, you know, they're just trying to be all deep and philosophic. Nobody would ever talk like that. But the sentimental part kind of just shut that up completely. Yeah. I I mean, there's something about it that I don't think, I think if I brought a friend to this movie, I would have a worse time because I would have watched it through their eyes and seen every criticism I could have tried to throw at it. Yeah, but but for me, it was immune to that. Like it just one hundred percent worked.
1: Yeah, no, I I feel the same way. Like I mean, I think sitting alone in my room on New Year's Eve watching it like was the perfect way to watch it. Um, and even that scene too. Like I I agree. That part of me was also kind of like seeing the strings, and it kind of bothered me that like the young couple had met exactly the same way that they had. Um, but the perspective that they each brought to the situation, and the way those characters were viewing our main couple, and how our main couple were kind of trying to like, hold together hold together their conversation at a group of people like, in a mixed crowd, like, there's something it, it just, it ended up working for me in a way that, like, I sort of, it teetered on the edge of not working, but then it just stayed strong, and just that old dude, I love that old dude, like, just I wish I had an old man like him to just <laughs> like nostalgically talk about love um, with because uh, just something about, it's like the accent it's like almost Michael Caney <laughs> like, I don't know it, it was awesome
2: yeah, definitely, I, I actually think watching it on New Year's Eve beats watching it on a train as the sun is going down in Japan, but but both are still the right, Yeah. like you, you want to be in the kind of place where you can be sentimental and reflective
3: and not give a crap
2: what other people think yeah
3: and i will throw out the the final word and say that before midnight i mean they all are very well uh paced but uh when i sat in the theater and watched before midnight i seriously thought the movie was only like 20 minutes long (laughs) like when it (laughs) ended i was like oh it's over like i i like the fastest hour and 45 minutes i think i've ever watched yeah is very very uh it goes by very very quickly which is unfortunate cuz you want more. Yeah. But yeah. So, I guess it's back to me, right? Number 2. Yeah, for yes.
1: your number 2.
3: Okay, so uh number 2, uh I have placed uh The Wolf of Wall Street at number 2. Um we've talked about it a lot last week. <laughs> you can see uh us arguing we're blue in the face obviously you, <laughs> well, you can't get, see it you can't see it yeah. you can't see it you can probably hear it though um uh you know they do say that blue is the warmest color uh, but <laughs> oh, um snap. snap but i will say uh i mean we just gotta be like we gotta be like bieber and just be like hashtag believe and you know f all the the hatters so uh <laughs> you know <laughs> uh yeah like so instead of talking about Wolf of Wall Street again, I want to uh, go through and highlight what uh, I had kind of mentioned like last week too, but highlight the the cokiest of the Coke movies that came out this year. And uh, I loved all these movies. Well, obviously spring breakers uh, we'll got to say James Franco in the best performance of his career. Give that man a best supporting actor Oscar. Uh, I'm sorry, Jared Leto, but alien was a way better character creation. Um, it's just a really amazing performance, obviously. uh trance, Danny Boyle just kicking ass and being awesome, going back to like shallow Grave, train spotting days, just making crazy fast, fun movies, uh pain and gain, obviously, Michael Bay doing his thing. um sightseers, which I think I talked about in know what we've been watching way back in the day. uh This is from Ben Wheatley, who did Kill List. And uh, probably, like, the most exciting director working right now, English guy, also did a movie called A Field in England, which is a completely trippy movie uh, that came out this year also. Well, I guess it technically comes out next year, but it came out this year in the UK. Uh, And uh, uh, The Bling Ring, Sofia Coppola getting her coke thing on, obviously very similar to Wolf of Wall Street because it's a lot of terrible people doing their thing uh only god forgives obviously chris loved it um that was a joke (laughs) oh i (laughs) i I get
1: it i get it i'm just curious why like first of all half these films have nothing to do with coke
3: well they 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 have cocaine use in them or they just have the feeling that they were made with he means the like frenetic energy the frenetic energy yes exactly um Also, the movie Passion, Brian De Palma's latest, which kind of got poo-pooed, but was pretty hilarious and fun. Escape from Tomorrow, obviously, and The Counselor, which was uh, undervalued, I think. And American Hustle was the other one, obviously, for reasons that we all know. So there you go.
1: All right. Carson never seems to like to uh, adhere to a format. He always has to uh, (laughs) coke it up in some way. Exactly. But but I mean, he...
2: He chose Wolf of Wall Street. I th- I think we just have such a recent argument between the three of us already <laughs> about it.
3: I, I, uh, but I think I think Wolf of Wall Street is like the culmination of like that like type of movie. So I'm honestly yeah. surprised
1: you have uh, Wolf of Wall Street over Only God Forgives. I thought for sure that you were gonna try to like forcefully give some love I, to Only God Forgives. I
3: think I think they're all like in the same league. Like I, yeah, I feel like that. Just Only God Forgives definitely was. I think nicholas Winding ref in you know just going back to his valhalla rising crazy craziness so i appreciated that
1: cool Uh,
0: all right
2: so if if you guys want to hear us argue hear carson (laughs) say why he loves chris why he did not love me why i was neutral just check the feeds for like one episode prior to this (laughs) (laughs) right yeah
1: cool do you want to go on to your number two uh or did you, did you have any other comments about the wolf of wall street or do you just want to go on to your number two steven
3: uh, i can go on if carson's done oh no i'm done yeah unless you have any like two cents on any of the other movies i don't know uh,
2: so i'm definitely a different <laughs> i definitely have different um movies that i respond to uh of those that you listed i think Spring Breakers, to me, so American Hustle was by far my favorite of the ones you mentioned. Uh, I don't know if I would call it a coke movie. I mean, it is a coked-out movie, but it had more, like, it was, like, jazz. Like, it, it had more of a yeah. rhythm to it than the others. It was a little more um, subdued. Yeah. And of the ultra-high-energy, frenetic ones, then Spring Breakers definitely
0: I think, yeah, stuck. I think
2: that one takes the cake. Yeah, that definitely stuck with me the longest i i couldn't put it in a best of list for me but i definitely appreciate what harmony corn was going to going for and yeah. it, it definitely made me respect james franco's acting abilities more than anything i've seen before has come close to doing yeah
3: i mean that is definitely my favorite performance from this year is franco as as alien
1: i i do agree he was amazing i think by the end of that film i was not on board with it at all i don't think personally i i didn't spring breakers didn't really go anywhere for me um but i definitely did appreciate franco in the film
3: Alrighty.
2: i guess i'll go on to my number two uh so around this point i started having very big debates in my head of what to include and what not to include like I I could have fleshed out this whole list with indie flicks that made me feel feels and stuff like that, um, but but I decided I should take a shift to like complete big movies that really spoke to me, uh, that have been praised by other people, but definitely deserve mine too. Uh, and so for this one, I'm going with Twelve Years a Slave. It's been a good year for movies with twelve in the name. Um, <laughs> 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 um I mean this this movie kind of like like short term 12 given the subject matter it could have been just completely schmaltzy and moralizing and embarrassing to watch like it could be what i imagined the butler is though i didn't watch the butler i <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, it's yeah it's definitely the opposite of the butler lee yeah, daniel's
1: and, 12 years later
3: <laughs> <laughs> oh,
2: <laughs> and and instead what i got was an impeccably acted film uh, i mean of Four, is that how you say his name? Uh, and Michael Fassbender. Uh, they're, they're both just unbelievably good in this movie. Like, one, you relate to a human being who has had to be forced into slavery and is seeing this through his eyes for the first time and accepting his defeat while still maintaining hope. Uh, I will not mind at all if uh, the lead actor gets the Oscar this year for Best Performance. I... I don't think that would be lip service or white guilt or anything. I I think he really did just give an incredible lead performance. Um, Yeah. And Fassbender does the impossible that only one other movie this year did for me, which I'll be talking about, uh, which is to make a completely evil person be empathetic to me. Somehow he pulled that off. I mean, he gave me a character who's cruel and wicked and completely like, unredeemable and still made me understand how he could have gotten to that point. Uh, and, and I thought there was something really amazing about the way that he just commanded the movie, every scene that he was in. Um, th- This movie, I felt it, it was dark without being like passion of the Christy voyeuristic preachy. Uh, it was soulful without like beating you over the head with it. And it was moral without moralizing. Uh, like I thought it really pulled off what is a very difficult feat. Which is to make a movie about slavery, which doesn't doesn't feel like it's sappy or overblown to me. Uh, so I thought this movie was important and very well done and very complete as a film.
3: A I co- would agree. Steve McQueen, amazing director. <laughs> totally. Yes.
1: Yeah, I I feel I feel it's definitely a good film. I left it off my list because I still wrestle with some uh, like I feel in a way it like it's for some reason it bothers me that it's not just a story of this slave it's a story of this guy who had a super awesome life and was actually like pretty wealthy and then got sold into slavery like I it feels like a little bit cheap like like I and let me explain that better. I, I said this in our, re- in our review, but I feel a little bit like that is supposed to make it more... Uh, it, It's supposed to make me care more about the character, but I, I feel like, well, no, I should... Ca- like, this is a terrible thing to happen to anybody, period. Um, I shouldn't feel worse because he was well off beforehand. So it it feels like there's... It feels like it's trying to make it more tragic. Like, it's already tragic enough, let alone trying to... Add but, like pile all this stuff on top of it. Um, so to
2: me, he the reason that doesn't happen is he was not the key tragic figure. I mean, I thought the the girl I forget her name. I think she's up for best supporting actress in most uh, yeah, most award uh, seasons right now. Patsy to, to me, yeah, Patsy was the tragic character. I so to me, he was the lens that you empathize with, and then you sympathize for everything that he's watching. Yeah, and I think that's why to me this was. It was okay, I did go in thinking it was contrived, the cynical part of me was already to dismiss it as being, Oh, now I care because he plays violin and he's intelligent but yeah. <laughs> but but I, but I really I he really was a think, free man before, yeah, but I think the reason that it was done this way aside from being based on source material, which is at least supposed to be true um yeah. people people have disputed whether it was just propaganda uh, but regardless i think it it gives us an entry point to be able to like you can look at this world and put yourself in that situation because you're watching a free man have to struggle with it for the yeah. first time
1: yeah
2: uh, to me the only negative in the movie i think i've said this before was Brad Pitt just felt like he came out of nowhere <laughs> and was just not believable it was just like the producer wanted to be the hero of the movie I
3: I was okay with Pitt though. Um, it did have that kind of feeling, but I, you know, yeah. weirdly enough, that's how it played out. Yeah, he's like, you know, I am here to end slavery. Eh? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> he, he was basically uh the ancestor of his character from uh, the counselor because he was also Canadian in that, obviously. So I think
2: I think other movies probably made me feel more than 12 Years a Slave, but given the subject matter that it dealt with and how well it managed to pull it off, I I feel like I have to put it on this list.
1: Yeah, I, I think I knock it for that exact same reason, because um, I feel like it should be there, so I automatically don't want to put it there because I feel like I'm being manipulated. Like, not that the film is manipul- manipulative, but I feel... Like, I am being manipulated by it. So it's like, I just want to throw it out of contention so that I don't have to deal with it.
2: <laughs> oh, and fun fun story about this movie. Uh, I watched, a like, 11 p.m. showing of it. And when I was driving home, I got pulled over for a headlight, and my eyes were red, and the cop thought I was drunk and made me do a sobriety test. <laughs> 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 and when I told him that I had just come from a movie theater... And had seen Twelve Years a Slave. He had never heard of it, and he was like, "Oh yeah, tell me who's in it. Name the actors." And I, I don't know some <laughs> black guy. I can't pronounce his name. You're like <laughs> Chewy,
3: Chewy's in it. Uh. So that was a that was a good night. I mean, funny if you're just like, I just came from Ender's Game, <laughs> and it was super super uh, sad. I just they ruined such a great book. <laughs>
1: All right, so uh, we on to my number two. Alright. Alright, this is uh this is my this is my just a film that I think is just absolutely amazing. Uh like of all these films that are on my list, I might have to justify to somebody that it's incredible. Um
3: G.I. Joe two retaliation. D- it's <laughs> undeniably the best film of the year.
1: It's actually I put it at number one and number two. That's why I'm bringing Damn. it up. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's that good. But no, this is the film that like if anybody is like, okay, what should I go see and I think that this should appeal to anybody walking in to see it Um, and personally I just think it's an incredible film Uh, it's one that I was very vocal about early in the year uh, that Steven tweeted me several times based on things I tweeted about it Uh, and uh, yeah I almost wanted to leave it off the list just so that my list could be completely themed Um, but I still feel that it it belongs in this list because it is one of my favorite films of the year one of my favorite films that I've ever seen, and that is Gravity. Gravity. Uh, there you go. Good timing, Steven. <laughs> um,
3: <laughs> I, thought, I thought it was going to be uh, Hansel and Gretel Witch Hunters.
1: <laughs> you, you know, like, oddly enough, uh, on, <laughs> yeah. on Flickchart, like, uh, Hansel and Gretel isn't in the top 10, but it has won so many of its random pairings against other films. Like, I legitimately love Hansel and Gretel Witch Hunters. <laughs>
3: It's a pretty fun, stupid movie. It
1: Like, it's it's amazing. Like, I, I even said earlier in the year that, like, it's sad that I'm this far into the year, and Hansel and Gretel Witch Hunters is still my favorite <laughs> film of the year. And two
2: Guns made it pretty high in my... Two record. Guns
3: <laughs> was pretty good, too. It, I mean, let's be honest.
1: Like, yeah. But anyways, back to Gravity. Um, Gravity is, in my opinion, just a phenomenally amazing film. Um, I may or may not have watched a screener of it this morning before we recorded this episode. But... It is amazing. I had to rewatch it just to make sure that, like, I wasn't still weirded out. I think I may have liked it better than the first time I saw it in theaters. Because mm. um, I, I, rem-
3: I remember you saying, like, that you didn't want to ever see it again. I, I didn't. Because you didn't want the experience ruined.
1: I didn't, but I watched it in headphones with it super cranked up loud. So it was, like, as close to sensory deprivation as I could. Yeah. And just... Like, everything from the the visual presentation of the film, the sound design of this film, the, like, the, every category of movie that I love is contained in this film. Uh, it's, like, when we, when we did our review, I said that just the scene when George Clooney, like, right at the beginning of the film, where he's like, you know, it's beautiful, isn't it? And the camera pans up, and you just see the earth as it's rotating. Like, it still, the second time, brought a tear to my eye. Just, like, the visual of it... Um, is just that amazing and it's like there there are moments in this film that emotionally hit me again the second time i watched it even though i knew exactly the beats that were coming up because i had previously seen it um it's it's just amazing um yeah I, I i don't i don't know what more to say about it. it's gonna be a film that i will love forever i think um i mean i can't be sure about that but it's amazing the second time watching it still amazing not seeing it on a huge giant screen was still amazing uh and i really just feel the uh you know our 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 main characters trying to exist in this scenario that is beyond like comprehension from uh, comprehension from us like you know walkers on the earth being in a, in a situation where like literally the other side of this wall is complete death everywhere and i don't know it's it it works on every possible level that a film can, I think. Um, and I just I just love it. I don't. I will talk ramble on forever about it, uh, but I don't think I'm coherent anymore. So I will just <laughs> I will just pass it to you guys.
3: Obviously, uh, one of the greatest technical achievements, I think, uh, of recent memory. I think people touted Avatar as like the big technical movie i really think this is it like i think that this is the movie that will stand the test of time not only with its effects i mean i also said this in my review for me the guy who sits here and usually says like you know this looks fake and everything i mean gravity was a movie complete cgi for the most part you know 98 percent or whatever and it looks completely convincing like completely authentic there, it's so involving that uh, you know after a while you're just almost questioning like, okay, so how did they shoot in space? Like, how yeah. did they get cameras in space to do this? Like they I almost mean, killed Sandra Bullock. <laughs> <laughs> yes, they put Sandra Bullock and George Clooney in spacesuits and you know launched them up into space. Like, but I mean, uh, that's that is the, the 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 strength of gravity is that, um, to. To see, to watch movies and usually see like the the mechanics behind it and to see gravity and just be completely blown away and to, and to constantly think like, how did they do this? That is a rare achievement in movie making nowadays, I think. And that's why I think gravity deserves all the praise that it's getting.
1: And, and I also think just real fast that part of the reason why I may have actually liked it more is that I had already been blown away by how the hell did they possibly make this. So the second time I watched it, I was just fully invested in the experience as opposed right. to being like I I I feel like they like punked uh, Sandra Bullock and George Clooney said, we're just going to go up to show you what it's like to be in zero G and then really put them in a life threatening situation as yeah, cameras yeah. hidden everywhere. Um, so having been able to get that out of my system, rewatching it, I just was like, holy crap, this m- yeah. movie stands up to... What I mean,
3: it it's it's a gut wrenching movie. Like, I it's definitely like the most, uh, you know, butthole puckering intensity. <laughs> definitely. I mean, this is more like, more than
2: Wolf of Wall Street.
3: I, I there's there's some definite. Uh, yeah, no, nobody snorting coke out of out of buttholes in this. But uh, yeah, no, I mean, like, uh, uh, I don't know what I was gonna say, but uh, I'm I'm glad to hear that it holds up like on a smaller screen. Obviously, I figured it would. But, I mean, it is probably the best to see it, like, on that giant IMAX screen, uh, for sure, yeah. So, I'm going to
2: have what I believe is an undefendable position, which is that I thought this movie was very good, like, well-made in every aspect. The technical ability of Alfonso uh, and everyone involved just completely blew me away, Um. The acting was great. Everything should have been perfect for this movie. And for some reason, it did not do much for me huh. emotionally when I watched it. And and mm. I don't know why, because I, I wanted to be completely immersed in this. And I, I I could completely understand how it was an immersive experience and how it could have deserved every bit of praise that it got. But for me, for whatever reason, watching it in, in IMAX... Not in 3D, but in IMAX. So maybe not the complete experience.
1: You were missing an extra D. That was the problem. (laughs) Yeah,
2: yeah, there wasn't enough D in it. Uh, (laughs) Uh, There was only two Ds. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, it was just a double D movie. But I I liked it a lot. I have been recommending it to most everyone else as the movie they should see that they will undoubtedly like. For whatever reason, to me, it did not do nearly as much as it seemed to do for most other people. So, completely indefensible position. Don't know why it happened. I would like to revisit it in isolation, maybe, without all the expectation built onto it. Yeah. Uh. But, yeah. Well done. W- could not have made my
1: list, and I don't know why. <laughs> I would say once it's out on Blu-ray, you pick up a Blu-ray and watch it in those new headphones of yours, of yours mm-hmm. and... uh. Yeah, being complete, like, not just, like, loud surround sound system, but, like, being in headphones only, it, for some reason, it's, like, that much more potent, uh, just because you're not, like, you can't hear people around you, you hear just the sounds that the characters would be hearing, um, plus the music, obviously. Right,
2: and and I think that would have helped the, because I could tell that it was a, despite being all open space, it's a very, like, claustrophobic movie. Oh, uh, yeah and for whatever reason that i couldn't transmute that feeling like like i couldn't feel it when i was watching the movie huh so i definitely think it deserves a rewatch because i have no idea what 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 set of factors led it to being a a good but not incredible movie to me
3: i mean i definitely saw some other people who were kind of in the same boat uh other critics but they were mostly criticizing it for the story which i think is kind of really like i don't think the story matters in this movie obviously the story is very thin and uh it is the weakest part of the movie but i think everything else uh is so just on a different level you know yeah. on a higher level that it, you can overlook it cuz i i feel like i mean this is it's basically taking a very standard story and just completely you know beefing it up with uh, you know a very revolutionized you know viewpoint and I think that that's what made it you know something grand and I think that uh, I-, I remember the other thing I was going to say was that we were talking about unbroken takes and stuff in like Before Midnight the unbroken takes in this movie are just insane like they are I, I just I yeah they were mind blowing to me like to see like especially obviously the opening sequence but like the scene where like Sandra Bullock and is on like that one uh space station and it all just comes apart and it's all in one take yeah right that to me that was very like you know goosebump inducing uh you know that's what you go to the movies for is to see stuff like that,
1: and they can really only do it in one take because they didn't have an extra space station up there.
2: <laughs> they only had the one.
3: <laughs> they only had the one uh camera in space,
2: like those old Looney Tunes things. Like it's a trick I can only do once. <laughs> yeah.
1: All right.
3: Basically, I mean, like we said in our review, Gravity ruined it for every other movie because you're just like you're gonna be sitting there watching. Well, why is it this as good as Gravity? Yeah, like in terms of effects and everything. Yeah.
1: All right. So, are we on to our number ones then?
3: <laughs> I think we are. I guess so. All okay, right. number one. Um, might be a controversial choice. I don't know. We'll we'll see. <laughs> but this was definitely uh. Definitely my favorite movie of the year. Like I, I kind of had a feeling that uh, it would be like midway, um, and, and by by the time the year wrapped up, I was just like, I just can't think of another movie that I just was thoroughly enjoyed by, and uh, it happens to be one of the uh, well, as of right now, it's still the highest grossing movie of the year, and that is uh, Iron Man Three. Really? And, uh, wow. Yes. I am, um, I am
1: shocked. I am I'm blown so away. yeah I you have impressed me with <laughs> this decision.
3: Um I know that uh I know Chris loved it too and I know we had uh, a <laughs> that ridiculous random conversation about it. Um but it was easily forgiven. Obviously it wasn't regarding the movie itself but uh I mean to me it, I, there might be a little bit of bias toward it because, like Shane Black, who wrote and directed Iron Man Three, is legitimately my like personal hero. Um, but uh, I, I was kind of trepidatious because this is like the first big movie he's ever done, and obviously it's a it's, it's a Marvel movie. It's a sequel. Like I, you know, Iron Man Two was fun, but it wasn't exactly the greatest. And, uh, I, I just didn't know like what to expect. And obviously I was like the one person burned by the Avengers. So like, I kind of had a feeling like, well, felt like Joss Whedon's voice didn't come through fully for me on that movie. So I was just like, I don't know how much it's going to, you know, I don't know what it's going to be like. And, um, I like the second, this movie opened, I was like, this is, I I love it. Like the, the fact that they played like Eiffel 65, blue (laughs) that was like the funniest thing to me like i was like this is already like i we can only go up from here um and i was just like so happy to have his voice like come through so strongly uh in this movie and completely like uh gave like a fresh uh shot to this series like i i think that for me personally i think iron man 3 blows the first two out of the water and iron man one is an amazing film um and i think that uh i think it's by far the best marvel movie and uh probably one of my favorite superhero movies like i just think that i think it should be championed in the fact that it's super rare like we got not only was this like a 200 million dollar summer blockbuster that was You know smart and funny and constantly surprising like obviously there was a lot of people who didn't like the twist with the mandarin but i mean i thought that was just like genius i was just like completely blown away by that uh the fact that they turned that on its head um but not only that but like we're getting it in like the third entry in a series which is usually like the worst of like any superhero like the third part in a superhero movie is usually like you know complete crap but uh this was just, like, a, a whole new set of tools, like, being given to the, to the movie, and, like, a whole new outlook and, and, and energy, and, like, Robert Downey Jr., I mean, obviously, he's amazing as Tony Stark, but, uh, like, I, I feel like him and Shane Black are, like, the perfect director-actor, like, duo, like, they, I mean, they, they're up there with, like, some, like, you know, like, a DiCaprio-Scorsese kind of thing, like, it's, they just, like, they work so well together, like, and, he can say like that, you know, he's like Samuel Jackson in Tarantino movies. He can like say all that shame black dialogue. Like it's just, you know, he makes it it makes it all pop. Like I really feel like Iron Man 3 is kind of like the kiss-kiss bang bang sequel that, you know, we were like hoping for, like, but we're never gonna get, you know? Like this is would be like the closest thing. I don't know. And I know it has like obviously has a lot of detractors, but like I feel that it's just I, I like I said, I feel like it should be championed because you so rarely get a movie of this caliber, like that comes like this late in a series and is like, you know, on this like level of budget and everything. Like I, I just was completely had a great time with it and uh yeah, like I I mean I love I love it. So I, I mean it was definitely like a clear cut choice that this would be uh my number one. Wow, I'm I'm surprised. I mean, I, I I very
2: much enjoyed this movie. Like I I probably would have given it a must see. I don't, I don't think I was on that episode. Uh, I I mean, it definitely, I think it could be my favorite Marvel movie as well. But to me, that, that still didn't elevate it to the point where I would call it a, a fantastic movie or, or a great movie. I, it, it does what it wants to do very, very well. It's entertaining. I didn't mind the plot twist at all. I, I, I think Chris talked to me about some of his problems with the the themes of the movie or or where it left you at the end. I, I don't remember. This could have been something else. <laughs> uh, but, but yeah, I mean, I I thought the movie was totally great, like, well done. Uh, I love Robert Downey Jr. The script was tight. Everything was good. But to me, it was still just a... Normal, good blockbuster movie.
3: Yeah. And like I said, it's probably a little bit of bias, but like, I just don't remember the last time, like, watching a movie of this, like, stature, you know, and like just being constantly surprised and like constantly entertained by all the little, like, you know, non sequitur lines and stuff, like, just all the things sprinkled throughout.
2: So, to be fair, I think I have a bias too, where I cannot imagine a movie like this, of this style, ever making a best-of list. For <laughs> and that is, a, that is a bias, right? That's this bias that says yeah. that sadness is more meaningful than fun and blah, 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 right? Like, we we, we all kind of have this. Um, and that is a bias, and it, it's unfair to people who make these kind of movies. But yeah. in my mind, they don't deal with themes or tackle something that that could make me praise it as high as I have some of the other ones.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I will. I definitely liked Iron Man three. According to Flickchart, it is my number ten film of the oh. year. Uh, and I think the the problems that I was talking to you about Stephen uh, were just that Iron Man became too strong by the end of the film, and then they just like, well, maybe if he just like blows up all of the suits. Then he won't be that strong when the Avengers, the next Avengers movie shows up. So it felt like it felt cheap to like make him unbelievably powerful and then reset him to the state at which he would just ignore having all that power going forward. Like to me, it was like, well, uh, when Age of Ultron happens and they're fighting this giant like robot dude, wouldn't it (laughs) make sense if he had? Yeah, when they're fighting uh, a James Spader Blacklist Man, wouldn't it make sense that that since he's a robot that he would have his like twenty-five man robot army help him fight Ultron. Um, uh, but I'm I'm assuming they will come up with a reason why that works. But like that, that was like just the the thinking about the construct of how that was gonna work kind of detracted from the movie as a whole. But it was incredibly fun. I enjoyed it. Robert yeah. Downey Jr. could like act out the phone book, and I would watch <laughs> it like.
3: It'd be entertaining as hell. Yeah,
1: it would. It would just. It. Uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> that's
3: the other. That's the other thing about this movie is that they introduce a uh, a plot element that, in the hands of someone else, could have gone just completely wrong. And that was the whole side plot with the the kid, the whose oh, name character name I can't remember. But when he teams up with the like ten year old kid, in yeah, movie. little
1: boy that finds him in his shed or whatever. Right.
3: right yeah, and like. In another movie, that just would have seemed, like, completely lame, but the fact that, like, Robert Downey just treats him like an adult and, you know, just has no, like, sentimentality for him was, uh, again, another, like, surprising facet and was just completely hilarious. And
1: and I will say that, in general, I am, like, so on board with Marvel Phase 2 that it's, like... uh... Yeah, I'm annoyed with myself how sucked into these stupid movies I am. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. I, I like Stephen. Like, I was like, I could never like be super into these films. Like, these films will never reach the level of like the Dark Knight franchise did, and they, they haven't. But they realize that that's not what they're going for. They yeah. are trying to be their own thing, and they have nailed it. They have sunk in. I had fun with Thor two. I'm excited for Captain America two. Like, I, it's yeah. at this point, I am so on board with like. All these rant, like, just make. If every month a new Marvel movie came out, as long as they're at the level and the tone of these current ones, I would be like, hell yeah, dude, take all my money. I'm seeing all these stupid movies.
3: Yeah, I mean, I feel like that they've, like, after like with Iron Man three and Thor two this year, they found the groove of like being just like consistently entertaining and like very light, like light and entertaining, not taking themselves so seriously. I mean, obviously, uh, I, I like Thor 2, you know, obviously not as much, but, uh, I mean, that was just a fun movie, like, I mean... When the movie starts off with Anthony Hopkins going like in the time in the dark, elves. like I, like you're already like once again it was like uh, the Eiffel 65 thing, like I, I'm, yeah. I'm like all right, like I'm I'm with this movie. Before
1: uh, light, there was only darkness, and in the darkness were the dark elves. <laughs>
3: the dark elves, yeah, he said like <laughs> darkness twice, which is hilarious. Uh, so yeah, like I and obviously I think with their their upcoming movies this year, like they they seem to are going to be continuing that trend, so. Yeah. Which is good because in my
2: mind, every time anyone else has tried to be the Dark Knight, it's been embarrassing. Like Yeah. Like Man <laughs> of Steel, I don't know if I don't think I ever talked about it with you guys, but I did not like that movie at all because I felt like it took itself too seriously and tried to be dark. Uh and the canonical example is Spider Man three where they <laughs> tried to have some <laughs> some internal conflict and it wound up being just an abysmal failure.
3: Which I feel like is, you know, a great example of, like, the third part of a franchise that just is a total disaster. Yeah, so um, I'm
2: glad that they don't take themselves too seriously, that they're willing to, to have fun. Because nobody goes to a comic book movie to not have fun. With The Dark Knight being maybe the only exception, but that, that kind of transcended comic book a while ago, I think.
1: Yeah, but I, I will, to be, to be completely frank and honest... I love Man of Steel. <laughs> oh, yeah, right. I, I did too. So <laughs> like, it, it, if, I
2: did not love Man of Steel. <laughs> I,
1: part part of the problem is that the way Flickchart's algorithm works and how it hasn't been paired against movies that I've been talking about right now. But if I were to just go based on Flickchart, uh, Man of Steel is my number four film of the year.
3: Wow. But, I I yeah, I will say that I liked it. I love Man of Steel. Like it just yeah. I, I was completely not into that movie at
2: all and and i think part of it is that i've just never superman i can't stand him because he's the invincible guy that still manages to have trouble all the time when he when he fights (laughs) well yeah they
1: they finally put him against somebody else who's also invincible in fact the whole team of people who are invincible
2: right it it did not work for me at all Uh, i i can't justify that either probably but i that was an eye-rolling (laughs) <laughs> to whatever hours. Of, I mean, there are a of lot of
3: detractors life. for Man of Steel, for definitely. Um, but I'm super stoked for Batman versus Superman. Oh, yeah. Whatever sure. it's gonna be. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So anyway, Iron Man 3, uh I, I think the, the the takeaway is just that like I his Shane Black's voice came through like loud and clear in that movie, and that was exactly what those kind of movies needed. It needed that voice, uh, like a fresh voice and uh i i wish all summer blockbusters were that good but uh yeah so there you go
1: all right well i'm just glad it wasn't like stoker or something like that i thought for sure
3: (laughs) (laughs) i thought for sure stoker was another good one yeah
1: Basically, in, in your comparison to Wolf of Wall... I, like, I wrote a little list of films that I thought you were going to be like super excited about, Carson, and you covered them all when you said Wolf of Wall Street. The only one you hadn't covered was Stoker. I, so I was forgot like, about Stoker. <laughs> I was like, I Stoker has to be that. his number one. that has got to be it.
3: I forgot about Stoker. That should have been on the, uh, the cocaine list.
1: <laughs> all right. Well, Stephen, what is your top film of the year?
2: All right. So my top film of the year, uh, it's a... I think it marks the evolution of an actor who three years ago I would have laughed in your face if you told me he would be in my favorite movie of the year. Uh, And that is Dallas (laughs) Buyers Club with Matthew McConaughey. Um, Really? Yes. I'm I'm surprised. Yes. And I mean, of course, there are a lot of sappy other movies that maybe made me feel more deeply. But in my mind, this was the movie that was so good that I would, without reservation, recommend it to other people and uh, not, not just people exactly like me. Huh. Um, and so like 12 Years a Slave, I thought this dealt with something that had the potential to be a completely over-moralizing thing, right? Like the AIDS epidemic and how people deal with it. And and instead, what I got was something with like heart and soul and a kind of like grit and rhythm to it that I, I really loved. I, I mean, I thought a terrible movie could have been made out of this. Uh, like where Matthew McConaughey could have been a gay character or someone who's Brad Pitt level like sympathetic to it and he's the voice of reason fighting against all these atrocities and and instead they made him play this unbelievably offensive homophobic like hick bigot douchebag uh, to start <laughs> to start with in the movie um and, and the fact that they actually make you or made me anyway really feel for him i i thought that was incredible um like, it had drug binges that I think are on par, at least stake-wise, with anything in Wolf of Wall Street. <laughs> but instead of seeing it as, like, top of the world, it was a rock-bottom thing that was difficult to watch. Mm. Like, m- maybe more truthful to how being <laughs> coked out of your mind would feel. <laughs> um, I-, I don't know. I-, I can't completely justify it. It had all of the, like, Americana nostalgia of, like, American Hustle or Argo to me or any great biopic. But something about his performance just completely drew me in, and, and Jared Leto was completely unrecognizable as that uh, flamboyant sidekick who is not a character that I would normally like in a movie. Like I, I'm all for gay rights and gay marriage and gay everything, but I very rarely resonate with a character like that, uh, and, and he managed to make me do it and jennifer garner was
3: fine whatever <laughs> i think i think like the jared leto's character was a character that is almost like in a like he's a kind of character that you would see like really horribly portrayed in like a bad romantic comedy or something like yes. he was essentially playing like the the uh the gay friend
1: but exactly. in a much
3: stronger uh role obviously i had like a I was joking, but I had, like, little ding that, uh, you know, James Franco, or Jared Leto has nothing on James Franco. But, I mean, uh, Jared Leto is really, really great in the movie. Like, I, I don't, don't knock his performance at all because uh, he is completely unrecognizable. And also, like, Matthew McConaughey, like, talk about an incredible comeback. Like, he has yeah, just been I on mean, a roll. With Mud and with... Uh, mud well, and... Uh, Wolf of Wall Street, obviously. Uh, yeah, Magic Mike, true uh uh God Interstellar coming up. Interstellar that, coming up. That cowboy one, right? Killer that Joe. Killer uh, Joe. Yeah. Uh Bernie. I mean, he's just been on a roll. Uh yeah. and uh he's he's on the new uh HBO show, True Detective, which looks badass. Um Yeah, like he's just been like really killing it every every role he's got. And uh I, I think I think I liked their performances more than the movie though. Like I, I liked Matthew McConaughey and I wish like he was kind of in a stronger movie. But, uh, other than that, like I agree with the performances. Like I, to me, the movie felt a little like shallow. Like I, not like, I just felt like it didn't, it kind of went like through the motions. It didn't really like go any deeper than like, okay, here's this guy. And this is like, you know, AIDS is bad. And, Mm -hmm. uh, I don't know. It almost felt like at times it was sort of a tutorial about like the subject. Like it was kind of like cliff notes version. Um, and also like, I had a problem with the fact that it didn't look anything like the eighties, but I don't, know, that was just like a personal thing.
2: Right. So, so I think, I think to me, and I was trying to debate why I felt this way because like Chris's reaction, I, I was surprised when this wound up on top of my list too, when I was making it. Um, and I was really doing these pairwise battles in my head, like, what do I think was a better, complete film than this? And in my mind, the, it's true that the movie is almost entirely his character. But I thought he nailed that so perfectly and, like, hypnotically to me that I just had to give it, give it to this movie. Don't expect other people to agree, necessarily.
3: I was getting a lot of praise. Like I mean, his performance alone is worth watching even though I think like I said I don't think the movie was as strong as him and Jared Leto, but like the fact that he like committed so much to the role is definitely uh worth praising. Yeah, I I
1: have, I have not seen it, but I have definitely heard positive things about it. Like the only time it's been brought up in conversation um in like other podcasts and stuff is in a very positive note uh i i saw the trailer one time for it uh and now i'm curious i'm gonna have to check it out so
3: yeah so what is the number
2: one movie oh oh, can we make predictions of chris (laughs) (laughs) because i'm jumping between two in my head right now
3: i i think i have i have a notion
1: well i want to i want to hear what both your predictions are and then i will i will build up to it and then i'll say what it is i won't answer whether or not you're correct um but go ahead uh steven what's your prediction
2: so i'm i'm debating between a few like how chrissy am i going to go with? <laughs> i'm gonna I'm, I'm i'm gonna go full no Ooh. in my mind her could definitely be up there uh i feel like chris might go left field kind of like he did with safety not guaranteed last year which i loved by the way when i watched right, it. right yeah um i think i think chris might bust out of warm bodies actually <laughs> <laughs> um, i think that's actually
3: what i'm gonna what i'm gonna put it put him on carson I'm guessing, uh, I think it's a toss-up between uh, Upstream Color and Gangster Squad. <laughs> Gangster Squad? <laughs> oh, how yeah, you, Upstream how you,
1: Color could be there. How did too? you know it was Gangster Squad? I, I
3: did, you know, I just had an inkling. But no, I, in all seriousness, I, I, would, I would say Upstream Color.
1: All right, well, for Steven's sake, I will say this. On FlickChart... Uh, Warm Bodies has not lost a single pairing. In every single situation in which Warm Bodies came up against another film, it won, and it's currently sitting at number three on my flick chart. Um, So it is not Warm Bodies. However, you were very clever in your figuring out what left field film could have possibly made it to the top. Um, Obviously, Carson, you know that I care much about Upstream Color, it's currently sitting at number nine on Flick Flick Chart, mm. um, and it is not that. Uh, but if you were very clever and you followed the progression of the films in my top five, we have Spectacular Now, deals with relationships in high school. Short Term Twelve deals with the re- relationships at a little bit older age when you realize that like you're not the only one in the world that has problems, and you're possibly getting involved in the problems of other people. Uh, before Midnight shows you what happens when, like, you've passed all those stages, maybe you ended up married. Um, what film deals with even further in the future and what would happen after maybe your marriage didn't work out?
3: Ah,
2: ah, her. Okay, yeah. so I, I squeezed that in there.
1: You, you were definitely on track, but uh, obviously, I mean, it was more than on track. You said that as one of the two. So, you had you had the correct one and also the left field possible. Um, both were very accurate as to um, what I cared about this year. Um, I mean, warm bodies. I love that film. I don't care how many people don't like it. Uh, it's. I I had an amazing time with it. But it's a
2: fun movie. Yeah, yeah. I, I watched it on an airplane and got very tingly. Watching no, it it, it had it had so like
1: <laughs> you're warm. I thought it was a cool idea, and what I got from it was a film that had so much more heart than what I think it should have. Uh, but anyways, back to her, which. Yes, yes, it is one of the most recent of all the films that I've seen. I saw it yesterday, but I did watch Spectacular Now and Gravity in between the time that I saw her and uh, this recording, this review. So I had at least a chaser of two other films that I really cared about. Um, that being said, her just succeeds on a million different levels. Like it, it is the most crisp movie that could have come out this year. Um, everything Mm -hmm. from like, first of all, as Carson said earlier, world building is a thing that like I bring up in pretty much every single movie uh, that we talk about. And the commitment to the world building this film is so beyond like anything Like, I would not have expected even a film that worked on an emotional level to have achieved what this film does as far as creating this world. I mean, it's near future, it's practically now, but it's just, the, t- the tech is obviously better than what we have, but it could be theoretically now this is all happening. Um, but, like, just the fact that the opening of the film, the the card company that Walking Phoenix works at, um, like, that, just the ideas of what that brings up, like, for me, card writing is, like, my least favorite thing in the world. Uh, every time I write a card, I feel like I'm creating this fake... Like, it, it doesn't feel authentic. Like, it's never a thing that I feel like, oh, I'm, like, writing this beautiful message. I feel like I'm trying to write something that sounds really important, but it's probably not. And like, it, like, just the idea of this world in which, like, our cards are... I mean, this isn't even part of the movie. This is just, like, the beginning of the film and the job that he has. Like, what that's saying about the world identified with me. The idea of this AI that... Um, I don't When you think about relationships, like, I've, I have had relationships that built through people I've met online and then later like dated in person. And like the idea that like the connection that you make with a person in, if it's just text, just voice, just whatever, like what part of that is real versus interacting with that person? Like I've been in long distance relationships where obviously we, you know, when we were outside of school, we were together, but then like when the school's back in session, we were apart, like what part of that relationship, like, even if you have no physical connection with a person, that relationship is still 100% real, and there's no way to like differentiate between. I don't know. They're, they're, this film is saying so many different things, um, and I think it does all of them amazingly. And the like when it introduces elements like with the sexual surrogates and stuff, like this is all real, so believable stuff. And even as odd as that scene might have been for Walking Phoenix's character the idea of who the person is playing that role i completely bought what she gets out of that relationship too like it it's this world is so perfectly realized um and the emotions in it i feel super on board with too like i can totally see like being in the walking phoenix's situation um i don't know it it's it, it's it's just like a perfect me film that's that's what i'll say
2: yeah definitely i mean i I, of course, said my piece about it. I put it at number five, and that was partly me purposely handicapping it because I know that it was the last film that I've seen in theaters, and, and I knew that that could, that could edge out something that wasn't as fresh in my mind. Yeah. Um. But fully deserves to be on this list. I mean, like everything I said before, I think it builds that world perfectly. Uh, it It did what, for me, should have been almost impossible as a person who works on ai and usually has you know eye roll moments anytime a movie tries to bring up technology yeah uh, and it made me actually care about that and believe everything that was happening i mean just a completely sweet movie that the sexual surrogate scene that you mentioned was like hilarious but but also realistic i, I could completely imagine that happening in the real world oh, yeah. or even the, the little details that didn't involve the os like towards the beginning he does this sort of chat roulette phone sex type of thing when he's laying down (laughs) yeah and that scene was amazing by the way that i i 100 believe that a that would exist in this time and b that a person like him would do it and feel both dirty and good at the like like i completely understood his character in that moment yeah and the things that drives him to do this uh like, amazing performance by him amazing world building by uh by spike jones just
3: really good movie yeah i was just i was just gonna throw out there i don't know if you guys caught it um in the at the end during the credits but uh the voice of sexy cat lady or whatever on the the phone sex scene that was uh Kristen wig really was, really yeah which i you thought know, was funny I... I actually
2: thought it might have been Amy Adams. <laughs> yeah, I actually kinda thought that would like be a her. weird twist in the movie that like she was the one that he was doing that with. Yeah, and
3: <laughs> and apparently the voice right before "Sexy Kitten" or whatever that he like you know skips or whatever, apparently that was uh, Bill Hader. So there's like no, a couple
1: that's a couple of voice
3: cameos right there that I, I thought nice. was, but like Kristen Wiig, like she has that very like kind of distinct voice. And so, like, I was completely surprised that it was her, because I didn't pick up on it at all.
1: Well, the the scene, the the part where she said, I just want to climb your hair, it was sort of a (laughs) giveaway.
3: Yeah, but I mean, like, I just wasn't even thinking that it would be her. Like, uh, I I guess that's a testament to, like, how well cast this movie is, because, like, even down to, like, the super minor roles, I thought, like, everyone was really great. Like chris pratt as uh joaquin (laughs) boss. he was awesome like he was he was great and uh the one scene that uh olivia wilde has i thought was like really really like she really stuck out like that she kind of formed a character like in just that one scene like you got everything that you needed to know yeah Mm -hmm. yeah like that was not a wasted uh character or anything and
1: even even that was like such a rough scene dude (laughs) yeah that was, like, heart-wrenching to me in, like, just the, the weirdest, most unfortunate way. Um, yeah. But, yeah, I I really loved um, on, on Slash Film, they were joking about, like, Spike Jonze. Yeah, he's, like, he's like, yeah, so in the story, Joaquin Phoenix was married to Rooney Mara. He gets to date <laughs> Olivia Wilde, and now he's in love with his operating system, voiced by Scarlett Johansson. Like, what kind and of weird he, dream world is this?
3: And he, yeah. he's, like, best friends with A. B. Adams. Yeah, yeah. Like and basically, he Kristen Wig with a cat, <laughs> right?
2: Yeah, <laughs> but no, like the, those are the, all my fantasies.
1: <laughs> no, but pretty much. Like you throw in like a uh, little Anna Kendrick in there or something, uh, mm. like a bunch of other people. and, Like it's it's a perfect. dash of Brie Larson. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yes, um, but no, like the in all, in all seriousness though, like the. Like, this is a fairly long movie, and and it's not that it feels long. It's just that, like, so much stuff happens in this, and the story goes to so many different places, and there is a really, truly logical progression. Like, a lot of films um, can possibly run into the thing where, like, towards the end, they're like, oh, well, we have to end this somehow, and they come up with some reason to, like, either break everything down or just find a way to end the story because they've, like, spent... Everything that they that that they've like all the ideas they had are now now gone. So now it's like oh, it's been two hours. Let's end this. Like this really feels like one complete arc that makes sense. That all the beats along the way, uh, work perfectly. And um, yeah, it's just it's it's amazing film. And screw all you people who like groaned in the theater when the trailer came out because this film is so much more than you could expect. And uh, yeah, everybody should go see it.
3: Definitely. Yeah, agreed.
2: I also, offline with spoilers, I, uh, I I had some interesting conversations with my friend, also in AI, about what the ending means and what the implications of that would be. Uh, it, it's a well-crafted movie from beginning to end. I, I mean, largely a love story, of course, but even just an interesting futuristic universe, even if you are a heartless monster who can't feel anything. <laughs> yeah, <you
3: stink>. Carson. <laughs> Yeah, even Carson might get something out of this. No, I told you. I was like right from the uh, opening title card. I was like. I was getting very sappy. Just,
1: just, just real fast, so just in case anybody heard weird stuff like I did, you said your friend also in AI, meaning somebody who also yes. works in AI, not all, yes, your friend, so like a person who also <laughs> does research in AI. Because somebody could have read that as your friend also an AI, like you have a friend yes. who's like Samantha. Oh yeah,
2: I took like a uh, robot to go watch this movie.
1: <laughs> um. Anyways, uh, so those are our top fives of the year. We are already above the uh, the two hour mark. So, do you guys want to just skip our crappy films of the year and just tell everybody what you're excited for coming up this next year, and then maybe call it a episode?
3: I feel like we should mention at least like what we thought was like the worst movie of the year, because I feel like I feel like but, it's but, worth mentioning. But All before
2: right. we do that, I do I, I want to edge in. Just a tiny bit because there were a few movies that like drove me crazy that they got bumped from this list, um, and I, I won't I won't say all of them. I, I will say the one one movie that did not make this list only because I had no idea how to rank it or where to put it uh, was the documentary The Act of Killing, which I watched, oh, yeah. which I watched last week, and I have not rewatched it, so I have no idea how it bears up. I, I don't think I ever will rewatch it. Uh, I saw it alone with my noise-canceling headphones, uh, a little bit tired late at night. And this movie is a documentary about basically a genocide that was committed where the killers are openly living in Indonesia and describing and acting out in detail what they did and how they did it and justifying it. And to me, this was a completely hypnotic movie that I mean, I sat there with the screen black like a half hour after it finished. Um, I thought this was a very powerful film that didn't deserve in my mind to be placed with the others because it's reality. Like It, it, it isn't the same as a movie. Um, but I would very much encourage anyone to see it. I, I even have a thing on Facebook where I've been offering to gift it on iTunes to people who messaged me and asked for it. Uh, so I definitely think this is a very hard movie to watch but a very good movie that anyone who thinks they could stomach it should go out and watch because i think it's very profound so yeah Yeah. I, I, i couldn't go without at least mentioning it
3: definitely the best documentary of this year and of like ever like honestly like i i think that like the format of this movie of this documentary the approach to it is like it's one of those things where you're like I'm surprised this hasn't been done before, and like, why didn't I think of that? Like, it's one of those things where it's like, it's it's surprising that someone else hasn't done it already. But I, it's 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 a really mind blowing movie yeah. to watch.
1: I I have it ready to watch. I haven't got a chance to watch it, but I'll probably be watching it here in the next week sometime. Um, and then I will probably agree with you guys.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. So. Definitely go see it. You should when you're making the landing page, make sure this is under <laughs> under my <laughs> list because i I don't want to not have recommended like prior to this morning, this movie was number two on my list, and it was only bumped because I felt that films with cinema like i don't know cinema to me is different than this, and i couldn't i couldn't put it in an ordered list with the others
1: gotcha
3: It definitely should be in the little uh mosaic that would be at the top of the episode or whatever yeah
1: (laughs) cool uh do you have anything that you'd like to recommend like in the same form carson
3: uh no i mean i can't really think of anything uh well i mean just one movie that immediately comes to mind i thought was the best looking movie of the year was uh and also kind of hard to watch but worth watching was prisoners uh, I think that like that was just a a really uh, engrossing watch, and it just was just awesome acting, and uh, yeah, like my my pick for best looking movie of the year was was that right. best cinematography from the legendary Roger Deakins.
1: Very nice. Um, I I'll just throw out a random one, not so random. It, it's a film that like I don't think like we talked about it on the podcast. I don't think it was like widely praised, and but I it I really enjoyed it, and I also rewatched that recently. But uh, side effects. Uh, oh yeah, I yeah. Th- I think that's one of the most competent, interesting thrillers of this year, um, and I don't think enough people saw it. So I want to throw that. out. It's also a beautiful looking film. Um, oh yeah. So, side effects. People should check it out.
2: And hey. as far as the indies go, you know, I'll, I'll just blow through them, but on any given year i thought uh nebraska the kings of summer the way way back francis Haw all also could have made my list and they haven't been mentioned yet uh, so th- this was a very good year for indie filmmaking
1: i i also watched francis Haw recently cuz you guys were both talking about it on our last review um i very much enjoyed that movie mm-hmm. um so i just wanted to jump in with you guys and say had a great yeah. time with it also
3: and i i, could I go really on with...
2: yeah sorry i mean i mean i could throw in like Captain Phillips, I actually thought as that far was as the thrilling too, yeah. movie went, the last ten minutes were amazing. Like like very good. Uh funniest movie, this is the end. I, oh, I really like that movie. Hands down. I, it couldn't, movie it couldn't possibly make a list that had twelve years of slave on it. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Although <laughs> and, I do and, think uh the world's end is a uh, is comes very close. Mm, I thought this is the end was much funnier than No, the I end. I agree, but I, I feel like the world's end uh different style of humor but uh also very worthy of praise
1: plus you'd already eaten and all that ice cream so you had to praise it
2: <laughs> yes and in the family friendly but still made me feel things which might not be agreed on here i actually really enjoyed uh saving mr banks <laughs> when i saw it oh alone <laughs> i mean it, that actually like brought tears to my eyes I, I thought
3: it was a really nice
1: movie i think i, I
3: talked about it last week on multi yeah, or something. i think we joked about it last week yeah, I did not like that movie.
1: Yeah, I have it seems like it's getting some like really terrible critical bashing. Like people are like outrageously angry at that movie for some reason. I've not seen mm-hmm.
3: it. Yeah, I thought it, I thought the flashbacks in Saving Mr. Banks like completely blueballed the entire movie. And I think that they they had like the wrong to me, they had like completely different tone from everything else in the movie and uh uh, the acting was great, but I mean, I don't know. It's just something about it. Like, I wanted more of, like, the behind the scenes. Like, I, I felt like reading the uh, IMDb trivia on Mary Poppins was more interesting mm-hmm. and, like, more, I don't know, uh, engaging. But I just felt like Saving Mr. Banks just, like, barely scratched, scratched the surface. And they're trying to have it both ways of, you know, the making of Mary Poppins and then, like, the making of her writing Mary Poppins, like, where she got that inspiration just mm-hmm. too much for me it, it charmed the crap out of me <laughs> um, yeah. like the le- thought... let's go fly a
2: kite scene towards the end just i don't i don't care it it was a little stupid i know it played with the truth a lot and made disney out to be a like brad pitt in 12 years of slave it made a production entity involved look like a savior <laughs> in the movie uh but whatever yeah. it was nice if if you're with a family i think it's the best family film i've seen this year i've not seen frozen oh, I, I, I was just gonna I, say I, like yeah i was gonna Fro- say.
1: frozen is the film that surprised me the most out of all my flick chart picks frozen beat out so many picks that i was like oh yeah oh, holy crap like i didn't realize how much i like frozen but it's sitting at number 11 on my <laughs> flick chart list right
3: that's now. frozen definitely best animated movie of the year family movie animated whatever uh I was going to say something I think no one else agrees with but uh Escape from Tomorrow in my opinion had had more uh, It's a better Disney at, movie than No, than I Saving Mr Banks. I seriously think it had more Disney whimsy than Saving Mr Banks. Oh. Uh, but wow. yeah Frozen definitely is the Disney champion I think.
1: All right, so true well, Disney champion. Did, did you still mention your worst films?
3: Oh, I was just going to say, and I think you'll agree, I think like by far, and I think this is interchangeable between both movies, by far the laziest worst movie of the year was uh, Machete Kills. Yep,
1: that's on my list. (laughs) Yep.
3: And uh, if you want to toss it up, I think Texas Chainsaw 3D was equally as lazy and uh, uh, awful as, uh, as Machete Kills.
1: Yeah, my, my unordered list is Jack the Giant Slayer, Texas Chainsaw, 3D Machete Kills, The Fifth Estate, and Burt Wonderstone.
2: <laughs> I've, Those all worthy contenders. I, I've got to say Grown Ups 2, which I saw a total of three times on airplanes. <laughs> Whoa. You, you deserve that. <laughs> yeah. Um, hated that movie so so much. But and I, also the, the dubbing in The Heat was maybe the worst thing I've seen this year. The airplane dubbing of The Heat. Uh, they they took every funny melissa mccarthy scene and made them pg insane well like like the scene which is even in the trailer where she's talking about like the captain's balls um they changed that to has anyone seen the captain's brains you know like (laughs) like little girl brains if little girls had brains that's (laughs) so bad that's (laughs) pretty bad that's pretty We're, lame. Worse than this is what happens when you meet a stranger in the Alps, which I also saw. Um that's the Big Lebowski dub. <laughs>
3: <laughs> that's pretty that's pretty bad. I I I'll also throw out um um The Mortal Instruments City of Bones. That Ooh, was that probably was that was bad. Uh talk about uh uh teen, you know, I guess whatever the like fantasy young adult novels trying to kickstart a franchise. Uh, The fact that it ended with the two main love interests finding out they are actually brother and sister, but then at the end, they're just like, well, I don't really believe it. So we're just going to stay boyfriend and girlfriend was completely (laughs) like, just what the hell? Like that was a, that was a complete, like what the, what What, the F moment. What
1: was one of the, uh, one of the love interests, Jonah Hill?
3: No, no it wasn't but uh, uh okay it should have been that would have been a lot more entertaining but yeah uh also i think by f- as as far as like worst family fair goes walking with dinosaurs for sure <laughs> like even more than the smurfs too like i think walking with dinosaurs it was again very lazy like the like the, the dinosaurs don't even talk like their mouths don't even move it's just like justin long and john leguizamo doing voiceover and you're just like i really, like that's it. It's almost like they had uh, like they just took like the the footage from the show and then just added on celebrity voices and added in like poop jokes and stuff. <laughs> which' was pretty bad all right well
1: let's let's hurry up and just hit real fast. What are you most anticipated for or what are you most excited for this upcoming year
3: Carson uh obviously, I mean, I think we're all excited for interstellar uh I kind of mentioned. Not a movie, but I'm really excited for True Detective. Like, Matthew McConaughey is just killing it, man. Um, And uh, it's probably going to suck balls, and I hated the first one, but I'm actually really excited to see what kind of hot mess The Amazing Spider-Man 2 is going to turn out to be, because I feel like it's just going to be like a Batman and uh, Robin style disaster. Cause it's just, they're building it up to be just like, I'm like, oh, this is going to be like, it's just going to be ridiculous. If they pull it off, then awesome. But, uh, I don't know, but they, they got some good, good actors in the second one, man. Like, uh, so that's cricket. kind of cricket. Cricket is, uh, the new Harry Osborn. There you and, go. And, uh, Paul Giamatti and Jamie Foxx. Like, obviously it's a stacked cast.
1: I, I, um, I really like the first one, the reboot i'm so scared for the second one, Oh, let me tell you why, like i oh, yeah. like not in a fun happy way like you are like i don't want them to ruin it they're trying to marvel face to it but sony right. bought the stupid marvel property so it's gonna be all jacked up in its own they're thing. trying
3: to they're trying to marvel it but with just one movie and i feel like it's gonna backfire the trailer immensely. looks like they're trying
1: to spider-man 3 it which is a bad idea it didn't
3: work that's out for I'm spider-man saying. 3 yeah. It, it, they keep they keep saying they're gonna have like all these villains that they're introducing, and it's like, yeah, didn't you see Spider Man three? Like that didn't work at all. No,
1: they didn't watch it either.
3: <laughs> no, I don't think so. So, uh, I'll be interested. I'm interested to see where that goes because it could be, oh boy, it could be a could be a mess. Steven? yeah.
2: Uh, so I think one is Grand Budapest Hotel. Uh, so moonrise kingdom made my top list last year and in hindsight it might actually have been my favorite (laughs) i think it might have edged out no i I don't know i think looper still held up definitely um but i'm a big wes anderson fan loved what he did with moonrise kingdom i like how he seems to be honing his style even more and grand budapest hotel from every indication of the trailer will be even more wes andersony oh it looks uh, looks so
3: great and that's not sarcastic
2: Yeah, so I'm I'm excited for that. Uh, as far as the train wreck thing goes, uh, The Hobbit, I really, I really want to know if they can <laughs> salvage it because I was not a big fan of The Hobbit 1. I thought The Hobbit 2 was a little better, but still far from great. Um, yeah, I want to see if Peter Jackson can respond to criticism and pull out an actual epic ending for this epic that he's been building it up to be. Which oh. it didn't need to be, but now he's made it an epic movie without epic moments yeah. in it. But all, all that's and really
1: left is is Smaug has to be hit by a black arrow, right? That's all that's left in the story. <laughs> uh,
2: yeah, pretty I don't know much. I mean, he's gonna have to throw in some heavy Silmarillion <laughs> yeah, stuff to make it work out. I
3: know that they're like trying to combine the two, like they're trying yeah. to link it up, but I don't know how much is. Yeah, I don't know.
2: Yeah, I'm curious. And then for. 21 Jump Street was one of the funniest movies to me, oh, yeah, uh, back when it came out, and I've, I have not even seen the trailer. I just know that 22 Jump Street exists, and I'm looking forward to that. Dude, the trailer is
3: as magical as I hoped it would be.
1: Carson linked me to it, but I still haven't watched it yet, so I have to get caught up on figuring out what 22 Jump Street trailer is all about, but I, I, I agree. The yeah. first film, I, I didn't even want to see the movie and then I saw the movie and I was like, what was wrong with me? This is the most amazing comedy ever.
3: Yeah. It, it like, the, yeah, there's, there's a line in the trailer that ice cube has that I'm still laughing over. Like I, I must've watched that like 10 times, just that line. It's just, I'm already like super, super excited for it.
1: Cool. Uh, I am super excited for transcendence. I think uh, speaking of AI going horribly wrong, a wrong, awry. Uh, <laughs> um, Transcendence looks pretty awesome. Uh, even though Carson is gonna poop all over it, I still am very excited for Dawn of the no, Planet I, of the Apes. Um, oh,
3: I was gonna say, I think Transcendence looks pretty cool. No,
1: no, yeah, but I mean, Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. I know, I know, you don't, you don't like it. You're not excited. But in the trailer, when it's like normal, like normal military post-apocalyptic movie trailer starts and that moment where he's like
3: i need to speak to caesar dude i'm just like uh, oh hell yeah jason um, clark he's not gonna be uh caesar's buddy that's for sure
1: i'm very very excited obviously how to train your dragon 2 um oh yes of course. should be oh, good yeah, of course and the last thing i want to mention is a film that it better freaking come out this year i don't know where the hell it's been but the philosophers i want to see this damn movie so bad um, is that
3: the one we talked about the trailer for, like, with all the, like, the students? We talked
1: about the trailer, like, two years ago. I don't know where the hell this movie is. It's probably, that looks pretty cool. It's probably come out in Russia or something already, but it, <laughs> it's basically, it's it's the whole, like, uh, you know, we're all going to be in the shelter. Who do we bring? The doctors or the whatever, but it's a bunch of students, and then it's not clear from the trailer whether, like, the consequences of the decisions they make are real or if they're being imagined by the students in the constructs of this. It's It's, it's the classic, like... <laughs> We have to survive, who do we take with us to survive, and how that plays out in this group. And the movie, the freaking trailer looks awesome. I don't even know if they've shown it anywhere other than online through different places that had it, but this movie was supposed to be out sometime earlier this year, or in 2013, and uh, it hasn't yet, and I have no idea if there's a release date for it, but...
3: I, I don't either, yeah.
1: I'm very excited for it. It's
3: kind of lost in the shuffle, but it better come out I, sometime I, I will also throw out uh, Gone Girl David Fincher's new movie that he's shooting now comes out this year is there is ben there a Affle- trailer for it yet? not a trailer but it comes out in October uh, early October this year and uh, Ben Affleck is in it who's also on an incredible role so I'm excited to see that yep. for sure
1: cool well uh, I think that's the end of our year ending recap
3: yes I, I think so uh,
1: Okay well here's to uh, the passing of 2013 and uh, A good look into Next year hopefully all these films we're excited about pan out and uh, You know it, it'd be awesome to see The film industry as a whole on this rise Of churning out really Awesome things and um, you know, not just trying to put anything in theaters that will make a buck. Oh, yeah. Did you guys see online? They said that this was like the biggest box office year ever or something yeah. like that. Yeah, um, I saw that. Yeah. So all those people that have been talking about how terrible everything's been going for the movie industry all year long, you just suck it. <laughs> like, You guys have plenty of money. Shut the hell up.
3: I mean, yeah. there was definitely a lot. Like Steven said, there was a lot to offer this year. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I think there were a lot of movies that, like, garnered – you know, a lot of buzz, like, like gravity. It was like, if you're not seeing gravity, then, you know, you suck. Yeah. You can just so get the can, hell out. Yeah. You just, you gotta see gravity. Like you gotta see, you know, spring breakers. It's crazy <laughs> or whatever. Uh, so yeah.
1: Cool. All right. Well, uh, let's say goodbye. Uh, Carson, if people want to find you throughout the week, where can they do that?
3: Uh, you can go to practicalcandy.wordpress.com. com. Uh, Steven, uh, if you want to find me, you can go to
2: twitter.com slash sdavidmiller or sdavidmiller.com.
1: You can find me at uh, christopherinreallife.com or twitter.com slash christopherirl. You can find the podcast over at thespoilerwarning.com where you can get all the back episodes of the show. You can follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash warning to figure out when all these episodes go live or like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash warning. If you want to get a hold of us directly, you can send an email to fans at thespoilerwarning.com or can call or leave us a voicemail at 760-575-4TSW. That's 760-575-4879. Music for this episode is going to come from this uh, phenomenally amazing video called The Final Cut 2013 Cinema Tribute, edited by Nick Bosworth, and it can be found over at the joblow.com YouTube page, where uh, uh, I think we advise that you go right now and uh, click the link in the show notes and watch this video because it is an awesome look. At this past year film. So, uh, yes. Thank you guys, uh, for joining me for this epic two and a half hour episode. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I, I still don't think it's as long as the, uh, uh, the dark knight episode from a few years ago or maybe inception one of the nolan ones made it to almost <laughs> yeah, yeah. three hours i think i
3: think i think both of those were, were fairly long yeah uh, longer than two hours
1: but back then were we doing the multiple segments or was that just a review also
3: no it was oh no it was the multiple segments oh, yeah, yeah that's true. for uh inception i think i don't know about dark knight rises but then
1: again technically this is like a segment per slot in our movie list so it's, yeah. Yeah, it's still comparable so Cool. All right. Well, uh, thank you guys all for listening. If you made it this far, if not, then I don't know who I'm talking to. So, <laughs>
2: if you did, then what are you doing? Yeah. You're talking to you're talking to space. <laughs> are you on like a very long drive somewhere? Yeah, I'm talking to li- yes. listeners
1: in the blind. If you're still with us, thank you. Everyone else, suffocate. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I think I said that at the end of our uh, gravity review. Didn't I say something similar to that? I'm probably, uh, I don't remember. I was remember.
3: like, if
1: you, if you didn't stick with us, and you can die in the vacuum of space or something. I don't remember. Yes. I don't mean that, of course. I love all no. of you, except for the ones not listening. Yes. All right, I'm going to go ahead and hit stop now.
2: <laughs> all right. Sounds good. It's been a good year.
1: <laughs> Try to have fun. Otherwise,
0: what's the point?